Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 88. In honor of The Last of Us Part 2 being released on Friday, uh, we're going to be taking a look at our top 10 favorite video games of all time, uh, across the generations, if you will. Uh, but before we get into that, Josh, how you doing tonight? I'm good, man. Uh, it's it's been a week. Uh, work was a little crazy. Uh, training today was a little crazy. We're just chilling, straight chilling all out, dude. Well, it seems like well, Florida down here. We're in the middle of hurricane season, so like yeah. in in addition to the virus and everything else, this is just God's test ground for. How much can one place take? Because you might be able to hear the rain and thunderstorm in the background tonight. I'm not sure. Um, but I haven't been doing too much. Um, I've been keeping busy. Uh, I hope to be going back to work soon, which I'm totally fine with. I'm Just get me structure and routine again. That's why I look forward to doing this with you because it yeah. gives me something of like, okay, get stuff ready for next week. Get this, this, and this in order. But yeah, I'm... I'm ready to go back to work, no matter what those conditions may look like. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you at all. I mean, I've been l- lucky enough to be keep like I've kept working. Finally, once I moved up here and got a job, like there's never been a question of whether or not we're going to be open or not because we're technically an essential business. But yeah, no, it's it, I can only imagine being stuck like that, literally having nothing to do. I mean. You know me, I can always find stuff to do, and I have a million and one unfinished video projects that, uh, coming out of this quarantine, I'll still have a million and one unfinished projects, (laughs) because I have all this time, and clearly, time was never an issue, as I'm discovering it's the motivation. Uh, Yes. uh, But, you watching anything good recently? (laughs) I didn't tell you about this. Oh no, God, you watched Artemis Fowl, didn't you? No, I didn't. I oh, I decided to watch something else. So you've been trying to get me to watch Mission Impossible Fallout for Yay! a long time. Mustache gate. <laughs> mustache gate. Darn that mustache. It's beautiful, though. Uh, dude. And so I watched it with my dad. Uh, I want to say Thursday, I think. But I intentionally didn't say anything to you because I wanted, I wanted to pop you today so but dude holy crap right (laughs) holy cow man best bathroom fight ever well and not just that but like the writing the way that the the plot weaves in it in and out how sometimes you even the viewer can't quite tell what's a what's a work and what's a shoot um it's it's very i liked it It, i liked it a lot um halo jump yeah, the only is a, Halo jump. The weirdest nitpick on this, okay, and only because I know Tom Cruise, and I know that he went and got actual training, and I've seen the interview for helicopter flying of what he's talking about, and he's like, "Yeah, we got in tra- training, blah blah blah," and the the gorge that we are in is actually really hard to fly, blah blah blah. And I was like, "Okay, cool. That's that's really cool. I can't wait to see it in the film." And then they present it as his first time ever flying a helicopter. And I mean, I know it's Tom Cruise, but 
you're going to sit here and tell me that he, this is the first time he's ever flown a helicopter and he's flying it through one of the diff, most difficult areas of land to fly a helicopter in the world. Really? That's your nitpick? I know. That's like the, the smallest, most not circumstantial. It's just like, it's just a weird thing. Although in that, in defense of that, actually, uh, it goes against him when he does that really stupid cheesy one-liner of just like, hey, catch this as he tries to drop his payload on Henry Cavill and oh, it completely yes. misses him. So you're like, okay, yes. yeah, he's a rookie pilot. Yeah, okay, yeah. But And to, to their credit, they do like, they do certain things with that whole scene that does, if I hadn't known all the background to it of what Tom has done to prepare for that scene, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't even have it wouldn't even phased me or anything like that. So again, I love it uh, because Henry Cavill, yeah. even though they they should not have given it away in the trailers that he was bad. Uh, my dad called it in the bathroom scene, so it's, yeah, it, it, they give they cop pretty much give it away really early. Which there's a lot of little details that I love pay off in the story later of mm-hmm. like when they call Ethan. A scalpel and Henry Cavill a hammer and like how they go about that bathroom scene fits that description perfectly of Ethan trying Mm -hmm. to physically get the information and Henry Cavill's literally trying to beat the information out of him Mm -hmm. it's very very interesting I just that whole movie is fantastic I've also liked how in the recent more recent uh Mission Impossible's like four five and six they've given Simon Pegg's character more stuff to do yeah yeah, absolutely. Benji was actually useful in this film. I love Benji. He's great. All of them are great. great. Actually, I just I'm liking that, that we have more of like a definitive team each movie. Like all for true. You've got your Tom Cruise, you got your Benji, you got your Vin Rames, who I think it's Luther. I just call him the Vin Rames character. Um Yeah. And Rebecca Ferguson continues to be one of the best actresses out there. Love Rebecca Ferguson. Absolutely. And weirdly enough, I really enjoyed, um, oh, geez, I just lost his name. Uh, Pleasure. Oh, Adam Baldwin? Alec Baldwin? Yeah, Alec. I don't know why I've, but like, I enjoyed him a lot in this film. I was like, oh. I like that. Like when he fights Henry Cavill, all of us are just like, really? You're going to fight Henry Cavill? And then that fight is not very long at all. No, it's not. I mean, he, he definitely like, almost starts to hold his own but then the fact that cavill is such a large man cavill's just just like messing with him the whole time yeah absolutely the one that i'm still trying to figure out is how they do the in-camera switch when benji's wearing the mask in the chair i do i i need to go back and rewatch it because i i I don't know how they pulled it off because it's almost like they i don't i'm sure there is a cut in there there has to be but like it's an in-camera cut Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, 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 I don't know, man. It was just so well done. I It's not my favorite. It's still Ghost Protocol, but this is a very, very close second for me. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to seeing really Tom Cruise approves of this director, too. That's why he brought him back for for his third and fourth movies in the franchise. Something that was completely unheard of in this franchise up until that point, because directors are one yeah. and done. Yeah, because he, especially with Tom, he doesn't usually like doing multiple directors it's because he likes to try different things each time i think yeah yeah, yeah. depending on what midlife crisis he's going through at the time (laughs) whether or not katie holmes likes him um 
Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so on the flip side, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this movie, but it's been on my radar for a while and I finally just caved and rented it on Voodoo. Uh, have you ever heard of a movie called Ed Wood? That sounds really, really familiar, but I can't place it. It is by a director who I don't particularly enjoy, starring an actor who I don't particularly enjoy, and it very well might be the best from both of them that I've ever seen. Um, really? It is directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp, because of course. Of course. So, uh, huh. Ed Wood is a biopic, in a sense, because uh, Ed Wood was a real person. He was basically like known as the world's worst director ever. So, I thought going into this, it would be about him making his movie Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is like the worst movie ever made. And I figured it would be kind of like The Disaster Artist. Um what it ended up being was more of a character study of the director, Ed Wood, but more importantly, Bela Lugosi, the guy that played Dracula. So Plan 9 from Outer Space was black, was Bela Lugosi's last ever performance. And so they really show a lot of what Bela Lugosi was in his last year or so being alive. Because, yes, we know him as Dracula and he's like an icon of film. But yeah. he basically died penniless and completely forgotten about and abandoned by Hollywood. Um, wow. So Ed Wood, who makes these god-awful movies, strikes up a friendship with him. And even though they're terrible, terrible movies, Bela Lugosi keeps being in these Ed Wood movies because Ed will keep hiring him and keep extending him a chance and just, yeah, dude, you're Bela Lugosi. You need the respect that you deserve. Uh, and so he keeps putting him in stuff in this beautiful friendship evolves uh and Bella has it rough because he's still addicted to opioids and um drugs and everything else and so at least twice in the movie he calls ed wood going i need you to stop me from doing what i'm planning on doing tonight um and it's brutally honest but it's also like you could tell tim burton was a huge fan of the original dracula because of how much attention they gave to bella lugosi mm-hmm. um and me being the huge fan of the classic Universal Monsters that I am, it doesn't really harp on those a lot. Mainly just it's a loving tribute to Bela Lugosi. Um, spoiler alert for this movie that came out 20 to 30 years ago. Uh, <clears throat> Bela, Bela dies towards the end of it because his body just couldn't hold it anymore. Uh, throughout the movie, they played the classic Universal Monsters theme of like, um, just the tune that played before Dracula and all those old classic Universal monsters. And so they play kind of a medley version of it or a softer version of it at his funeral. And I was just like, oh, nope, can't can't deal with it. Um, but it was so beautifully done. If you can find it, seriously, look up Ed Wood. It's like the disaster yeah. artist, kind of. But I think better because it's more of like, like all right. Here's how we make movies. Because there's a great scene that I was just, I looked at Heather when it happened. I was like, okay, yeah, that one hit me a little too close to home because I know the feeling of they're filming a scene for the movie and the cops come around the corner and Ed Wood goes, cops, we don't have a permit. Run. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, every, every DP knows that feeling a little too well. Jeez. Like, it is a brutally honest, if you've done any form of, any form of content creation or anything you're really passionate about, this guy, it's like Dolomite or Disaster Artist. If everyone keeps telling him, dude, you are literally the worst at what you do. He's just like, 
but I can still do it, right? Like, it's that <laughs> optimism that everyone should have. It's probably the best Johnny Depp performance I've ever seen. And I'm not generally yeah. a big Johnny Depp fan. It's his best performance, and it's probably my favorite Tim Burton movie now. It was really, really good. Well, dang, man. That, so yeah, if you can find uh, it, Ed Wood is really good. How good is it? Anyway. Um, On the flip side, yeah. though, uh, I haven't been watching a whole lot, primarily because I've been preoccupied with something else. Um, so as we said, kind of the lead up for this discussion today is The Last of Us Part 2 came out on Friday. Oh, yeah. So I, I binge played that all day on Friday. Um, well... Um, I, okay. <laughs> so the first one will be on my list that we'll talk about later. This one will not be anywhere close to my top 10 anytime soon. Okay. That's what I, I've heard. I, I had heard things, but I wasn't sure. I had heard really great reviews going into it and I hadn't heard any of the leaks. And so I start playing it and I'm, I'm really, really like 100% convinced that all those really, really positive reviews only played the first half of the game and didn't play the whole thing. Oh, no. Because there's some stuff that happens without delving too much into spoilers that I kind of figured would happen in this game. And that's not what I'm opposed to. It's how the events happen in the game that I'm really Mm -hmm. much opposed to. And they kind of shift the story in a completely different direction than the first one, which on paper isn't a bad thing, but it kind of seems to completely abandon everything that the first game established. Okay. And yeah, also, and if you're a diehard fan of the first one, there's some there's some cheap shots to the low blow area that's just like, yeah, screw you. This isn't important. Wow. Of like, wow. oof. Oof. Okay. Like, it's a revenge mission. Makes sense. Um, at a certain point, though, you're not interested in the revenge story because people stop acting like people actually would in a given scenario. Mm. And also, you play as different people, and you, the game tries to get you to care about some people, and you don't. Like, but... Without, it's hard to describe without going to spoilers because yeah, some things happen. But I feel like... So this game takes place four years after the first one. I feel like this one should have been the third game and a second game never happened. Like, a lot of this game takes place in flashbacks of what happens between the first and the third game. Like, stop trying to explain to us what happened in this gap when that should have been the game that you made instead. Yeah. Or like the game is feels out of order. Uh, let's do the flashback scenes leading up to the catalyst for why we're going on this revenge mission. That way we have more emotion when the thing happens for the revenge story. Yeah, it mm, that's tough. That's really tough because it, it was so it's so rare that a sequel to a really, really good game doesn't have a lot to live up to but most of the time it doesn't live up to it like graphically and gameplay wise it looks phenomenal and plays phenomenal i think there's a little bit too much stealth like the first one game was perfectly balanced between uh edge of your seat suspense and really good storytelling i think this at times they're like well our story doesn't seem long enough so um 
we'll just do another really, really long stealth section. Um, mm. Which me, who sucks at stealth, goes, all right, I took down two people with stealth. Guns ablazing, people. <laughs> Crap, I only have five so, bullets left. Well, let's do this smart. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is it's this about the same thing when I felt how I felt about um, Arkham Knight. Cause no, I was like, no, uh, no. Cause I, I hated the Batmobile because of the, uh, the over-reliance on it. Nope. Like, I think it's yeah, different because that's a specific but, mechanic. The reason why I, and a lot of other people have it is this is a story issue. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's not a mechanic issue. I actually almost, they introduce a lot of new mechanics. Like they clearly, it's the same studio that did the, Arkham, uh, the Uncharted games. They clearly learned from Uncharted four and implemented some stuff from that. Like, uh, rope swings and a little bit of climbing, but not a ton, um, which are good additions. They make sense for the character that you're playing as. I like that. It's the story that a lot of people, myself included, I don't have nearly as much a big of a problem as some other people. Like Twitter is roasting this game alive, uh, but I think it's somewhere between what Twitter thinks and what the reviewers think. Um, I'm somewhere in like this is a seven to a game that was a ten before. Yeah, the first Fair one was enough. a ten. This is probably. A six and a half or a seven. Yeah, okay, that's that's, that's fair. I so, mean, it, it's probably not going to be be something that I pick up anyway. I really haven't finished the first one, so I mean, I've played the first two hours like multiple times for for various reasons, but it, so it's it's hard to get past going back into that two that first two hours and then trying to get past that. Yeah, and again, without dipping into spoilers, and then we'll move on to something else. It makes me very curious about, well, where does this leave the TV show then with some of the decisions that you've made in this game? Yeah. Fair enough. Well, yeah. Jeez, I, man. I'll, I'll power through it. I think I'm about halfway through the game. I'll, I'll power through it and finish because I've already seen how it ends. And I was like, it's not the worst ending, but not full Mass Effect 3. But that doesn't sound like a great ending either. Yeah, that's tough, man. Um, You ready to get into some news? Sure, man. Uh, A lot of DC stuff this week. Yeah, there is. It's kind of crazy. Real quick, have you seen all the stuff, at least on Twitter, that's going on with wrestling right now? That's not wrestling related? About everyone not being good people? Yeah. Like, dude, I I mean, I don't want to say a lot, but like... Yeah, don't burn any bridges. No, I mean, I don't really care that much. But, um, <laughs> but like, there's certain people that have been called out that, like, a lot of us already kind of knew. But, like, we didn't have solid proof, so we didn't say anything. And it's just, like, it's crazy, dude. It, there's a lot of crazy, crazy stuff going on right now. Eventually, everything always comes to light, as we're seeing a lot in this day and age. There is. You know, at the end of the day, just be a good person, guys. Just, yep. Just don't don't be jerks. As one of my favorite YouTube channels, Dead Meat always says, "Be good people." <laughs> Let's get into Let's our get very DC heavy news week. I didn't yeah, intend for it. It's just like everyone else is really slow this week in delivering news to us for some reason. Yeah, and <laughs> some of it I care about, some of it not so much. So I'm gonna have or... a rant about one of them. Shocker. Uh, but to surprise Josh, it might not be as big as he thinks. Um, but we'll get Maybe. there. We'll we'll burn that bridge when we cross it. Uh, 
Yeah. So, first of all, this potentially could be the biggest DC news of the year. Uh, so, Comic-Con is not happening. I, th- I think it's happening virtually, but people will not be gathering, thank goodness, because that would be a horrible idea. Imagine the hygiene of people that go to cons all together in a yeah. <laughs> close no area. So, uh, virtual Comic-Con, I believe, is happening. But in lieu of Comic-Con not actually happening, uh, DC is deciding to throw their own 24-hour virtual Comic-Con called DC Fandome, which I think it's called Fandome because it's going to be in a dome. I'm not sure why they called that called it that, but it will be a 24-hour virtual um, experience is what they're labeling it as, which my first thought because I'm mean like that is going who's the poor sucker that stuck with a 2 a.m to 4 a.m time slot <laughs> yeah teen What's titans go this is your window oh hey 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 ever since the movie i've never been able to talk crap about titans go <laughs> true but um we bring this up because good lord if it has the name dc on it it will be there at this event so uh we will have updates or if nothing else some form of news from all of these projects aquaman matt reeves batman uh the batwoman series uh the rocks black adam black lightning dc superhero girls sure uh legends of tomorrow star girl doom patrol the andy muschietti maybe ezra miller flash movie uh harley quinn animated series lucifer pennyworth shazam 2 the suicide squad supergirl superman and lois teen titans go Titans, Watchmen, Young Justice, Jeez. Jeez. basically everything DC related will be there. So we're supposed to be getting our first uh, trailer, official trailer for the Snyder Cut version of Justice League. We'll talk about that in a mm. little bit. Uh, well, there's going to be a panel for Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, that's just like the movie and TV side. I fully have my eyes on this going, okay, this has to be, has to be, Right where they finally introduced the new Arkham game. It has to be. I mean, not just that, but like officially announced maybe a, a, a Superman film or just like... Don't you get be, my hopes up, man. I'm just saying, man, there's only so much you can talk about the Suicide Squad. Well, that's they'll probably talk about that more than they will the Batman because that finished filming before the lockdown. True. You're not wrong about that. Um, so maybe... With the Batman, we'll get more like costumes or reveals. Maybe a first look at um, Zoe Kravitz in the Catwoman suit, because that supposedly is done too. Uh, there's a lot of uh, allegedly attached to a lot of a lot of the stuff that might happen. So we'll we'll see what ha- what all they present. Um, I would love to to my we haven't gotten it, but I would love to see a full like main team list for uh the suicide squad i know they've kind of like said everyone who's gonna be in it ish not really i don't know i would love but i would love to get like an actual list yeah there's now some rumors floating around really to which i'm going okay i'm not gonna lie i'd be on board for that because that would fit his acting ability oh <laughs> Oh, see, but like you can never doubt someone's acting ability just because of Brendan Fraser. Oh, what a man. But he voice acts. That's different. But also, I I do like Brendan Fraser. 
I see. I don't know. Uh, did they confirm that it's just a voice acting or is he actually in the suit? No, there's somebody else in the suit. It's like Mandalorian. There's always somebody else in the suit. Yeah, Which, okay. Spoiler alert. If you actually thought Pedro Pascal was in the Mandalorian suit, he's like never in the suit. <laughs> That's weird. Um, what was it? Uh, oh, I kinda, we were supposed, supposed hmm? to get Mandalorian season two here in a few months, aren't we? Uh, yes. I think like November, December, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I've got a lot of stuff that I expect will be announced. Uh, the future of wherever DC comics is going. It seems that 5g is dead. Praise the comic book gods that Dan DiDio got fired. And we seemingly are no longer doing 5g. Cause that was a stupid idea. Um, I would like, and I really think that this will happen of uh, the next DC animated movie is Superman man of tomorrow. Uh, they still have not given that a release date yet for some reason even though the one after it, the Deathstroke movie has a release date. And I'm like, Good. can we find out when man of tomorrow comes out, please? <laughs> oh man. But they've got to confirm if him back yet or not. So I can fully see since, um, Shazam two will be getting an update during this panel. It'll have its own thing of, they do like a D 23 type thing of David F. Sandberg is there to talk about Shazam two Maybe David F. Sandberg and Zachary Levi do a panel and be like, and here's Shazam 2. We hope you enjoy. Oh, by the way, we have one more surprise in store for you guys for Shazam 2. Out comes Henry Cavill. I, a part of me really likes that, but I also, I don't want Shazam to get overshadowed. I mean, I'm not saying that I like Shazam more than Superman, but everyone deserves their light in the sun, and I don't want Zachary Levi to get overshadowed. I I don't know. The big difference to me between the two of them is one of them already had a truly phenomenal solo movie. And that's the thing. Uh, Shazam, I think, at least to me, is allowed to be overshadowed by Superman because Superman is the granddaddy of everything else. And maybe for Shazam 2... Superman is the one that's training Shazam of going, okay, here's how you're supposed to do things. Don't extort gas stations for candy and snacks. <laughs> there. And maybe that we get a little fight between them. Oh, that'd be fun. Anyway, yeah, that maybe it could be fun. I mean, they need to announce something, maybe something for Black Adam as well. I don't know. I guess if, we'll, we'll kind of find out. Since it's, uh, I don't know if we said what day this was. This is August 26th. So, um, I think by that time we might get a costume reveal for Black Adam because I think they're supposed to start filming end of July. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I can see that. I could see a full teaser trailer for the Batman, or at least more footage than we've already seen of just the slow headshot. Um, yeah. Maybe like a full-on teaser for either the Batman or the Suicide Squad. Um. Probably another trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. One which, that's maybe hopefully not so confusing. He, Wonder Woman 1984. Not because I don't care about the character, but I've I've read the story leaks and I'm going, well, that just sounds kind of meh. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Zack Snyder has said that there will be uh, the first official trailer. For- and I'm going... Guys, 
it's not going to be that different from the last time, whether you want to admit it or not. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to it transition? Yes, let's transition to this first stupid trailer, tra- teaser trailer. Okay, Josh, you got to tell me. Is, is that a frustration? Uh, digging this trailer? What What were your general thoughts of this 30-second snippet that, for some reason, Jason Momoa was the one to share, not Zack Snyder, before Zack Snyder like retweeted or whatever, of... Uh, this trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League, at least his 32nd thing. What is this good thoughts that you have or overall frustration? Sounds like frustrations. Yeah, okay. So, so when someone says, hey, you should release, a, you know, when a movie has this kind of director issue, when someone says, hey, can we get the other director's cut just to kind of see what it what it looks like? Normally, they don't really, they don't change much, you know, shots here, shots there. Um, you know, the, it, it's not a, a big change, you know what I mean? Like, it's the vision of the film doesn't change. They don't completely change the villain for the film. Okay. I'm- they don't completely change the tone of the film. Like, Here's where I'm going to fight um, back with you on something, just a little bit. I'm in the same boat as you. But I think you're misunderstanding. I think this is all the dark side we're getting in this movie. Because people seem to think this is a completely different movie because Zack Snyder shot different stuff. Dark side is not the villain of this movie, people. It is still Steppenwolf. That was always the plan, whether it was the Justice League, as people call it. Um, or the Zack Snyder version, Steppenwolf was always the first villain and setting up Darkseid for later. So, I think this is just uh, bait, like the Mad Max meme. That's bait. Um, I think this is just trying to sucker people in, thinking that this movie will be drastically different. If anything, we know for a fact it'll be longer. Longer doesn't necessarily mean better. Um, I the fact that it's going to be closer to a four-hour movie going, yeah, I'm not too thrilled about that because it means there was stuff that he could have trimmed out, like in Batman versus Superman. Um, but I think this is like the most amount of dark side, and it's more or less just like a, well, we have to show there's something different about this cut. Um, this trailer is like of two halves. Half the stuff in this I think is cool, and then the other half, I don't. Um, stuff that I do like. I like when Wonder Woman is in whatever the cavern or the what looks like a temple is, and she sees the artwork of Doomsday, of oh, not Doomsday, Darkseid. Um, Oops. The text on the wall, I'm just like, that looks really, really cool. The bad news. Um, the Lex Luthor voiceover reminding me that Jesse Eisenberg are still, is still our Lex Luthor, and I hate every second of that. Uh, but he, yeah. got sh- he got shaved at the end, so he's more like the comic book Lex Luthor. I'm like... No, how is it a dude that's off his Ritalin like Lex Luthor? Um, it, and, it does. It doesn't change the fact that his his voice is super annoying for the for his Lex Luthor. Yeah, and I'll be very curious um, if Darkseid has any voice lines because I'm actually more critical of Darkseid voice actors than I am for Lex Luthor, just because I'm like Lex could be anything. Um, Darkseid, I'm always like, eh, it's got to be the right voice and supposedly there's an actor for it but uh, okay um 
We'll see if Darkseid, how much role Darkseid originally was supposed to have. Here's where I'm, I'm probably going to get some flack in the, what looks like the flashback scene that was Steppenwolf in the released movie, but now it's going to be Darkseid when he's like invading Earth. Mm-hmm. I don't dig that design at all. Same. He looks weird. He looks like a hunchback. And also, why does he have a weapon? Dark. That's one of the things about Darkseid. He doesn't need anything. That's exactly. I saw that and I was like, no, 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 you're done. And some people are like, like well, this is before he becomes dark side with the anti-life equation and has the omega beams. I'm going, then count me out. That's not the dark side that could go toe to toe with the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. Like the fact that the fact all this, the a weird thing that annoyed me, the fact that he's in front of the army, that he's leading the army. There like, is no army. I'm looking. I'm looking at the picture right now. It's just him standing there with his ships way off in the background. I'm like, um. He just standing there looking for a cool shot. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't look <sighs> the like right the picture on the wall, that looks like an artist's interpretation of Dark Side. That's cool. Um him in the fight, um hmm. Also, I'll be very curious with uh Zack Snyder's Justice League if we get to put it nicely, Batman versus Superman acting from Gal Gadot or Wonder Woman version of acting from Gal Gadot? Because mm. neither of them is the best around, but she was significantly better in Wonder Woman than she was in Batman vs. Superman. Maybe that's because she had limited time, but even in the Ultimate Cut, she doesn't have a ton of screen time, and even when she does, she has great action scenes, but she, her acting is a bit wooden, and it seemed a little wooden in this little clip, too. Well, it's almost. I I think another part of that is that she doesn't necessarily. She didn't have much to do, and it wasn't. How do I say this? <laughs> they hadn't quite developed the character yet, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like she didn't need to be in it at all, or she was just yeah. shoehorned in to set up her own movie that should have come first. Yeah. So um, I'm looking at the the shot that you're you know that we're talking about mm-hmm. and somebody posted a side-by-side of it with Stefan wolf and then the one that we saw in the teaser and it's exactly the same just different people yeah which i'll i'll be doing this a couple times this episode believe it or not but i'll play devil's advocate for snyder of i think he's had this like shot and ready to go for a while and then the studio switched it out because we know how much change has happened in Joss Whedon's version of Justice League. And for all those idiots out there that are just like, Joss Whedon ruined Justice League. No, if you want to blame anybody, blame the studio. You try and completely change the movie to fit a studio's demands in less than six months and try and make it halfway as coherent as he did. Is it a good movie? Yeah. No, I still enjoy it. But it has a lot of problems. But I won't blame Joss Whedon for it because people are just like, Whedon's terrible. Really? You weren't complaining when the first Avengers came out. Um, yeah. But people are just like, Whedon's uh, signature flares all over it. I'm like, there's one or two more jokes. But in terms of signature style, what is there of Joss Whedon's? Because no one had the time to put in their own personal flair to the movie. It felt so studio produced. Um, so this shot of Darkseid, I think, was originally there 
for the movie and then the studio probably switched it out. Um, I'm still not excited for the Snyder Cut. That being said, there's certain aspects that I am just out of more morbid curiosity than anything else. Like for me, the top priority is, okay, what was Zack Snyder's plan to bring Superman back to life? Because I love how Superman was done in Justice League, like when he comes back to life and he's the shining symbol of hope. But it feels so disjointed from Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, primarily because it was somebody else. Um, so, for better or for worse, I would, I'm would i more just curious to see what Zack Snyder's completed arc for this character was. Because this is going to pain some people to admit. Because um, I've seen both sides. The people that hate the Snyder Cut and some people that are so... Everything but the Snyder Cut is terrible. Um, one of the best scenes in... Joss Whedon's Justice League was clearly shot by Zack Snyder. And that's at the end when um, you see Superman in the street and he pulls open the shirt to do the classic Superman pose. That was clearly Mm -hmm. a Zack Snyder shot because you can tell Henry Cavill's face is not weird. That's clearly his regular non-CGI face. So I'm going, okay, if Superman comes back like that, then probably Snyder's end goal was he dies and comes back as the symbol of hope that he should have been all along. So I'm curious from that regard um, to see the completed story arc. It's kind of like you and I like Rise of Skywalker, but we kind of would have liked to see JJ do the whole trilogy, not because we completely mm-hmm. hate Last Jedi, but we want that cohesion. And as much as I think yeah. Justice League, the version that we have will probably end up being better than what's released i think it'll be better in the sense of it's more cohesive when the first two yeah i i i I, there's a lot of i don't know dude was when we when we're talking about you know rise of skywalker and all the issues that came with that and and I I still stand by my my stance that Ryan Johnson ruined the 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 trilogy, um. But yeah, I a part of me wishes Snyder had just stuck. You know, I don't know exactly what the details were of of his exit from the film. I know you and I think he was fired, but. Well, it's both. He was fired, but also he left due to the very unfortunate tragedy in his family. I think it was... He was going to leave because of that tragedy and the overwhelming pressure from the studio, but I think the studio took advantage of that and fired him when it really... They shouldn't have. Because, granted, I still don't like Snyder films, but it's not right to fire somebody, especially under those circumstances. If you didn't like what he did, you should have fired him before justice league so i heard a really great analogy and i'll segue us perfectly in our next topic of um, the problem with Zack snyder's dc is he has wanted to do his own version of a fantastic lord of the rings trilogy instead of setting up an mcu like universe of he wants the characters to have their own arcs within like the movies like Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Justice League, and then Justice League 2 and 3. That was going to be his story arcs. But it seemed like he didn't really want to help build a greater universe, which is what Warner Brothers wanted. Like, um, could you see 
the Aquaman in um, Batman versus Superman or like see the rest of the characters expanding or do you think they're just like little pawns in his larger universe larger story that he's trying to tell uh, they, they they definitely don't feel like actual characters they just feel like well we're bringing the justice league together so i gotta have other members like it feels like his end goal was kind of like the end of apocalypse war of destroy the universe it's just like well it's like your story, but everyone else kind of wants the greater universe that can be spun off into a Green Lantern story or whatever else. But it seemed like he wanted his own self-contained stories. And this is kind of where we're bleeding over into the Batman stuff. Um, so this Zack Snyder confirmed this a while ago, but it was reaffirmed recently and then doubly confirmed by Suicide director David Ayer. So we know the Robin suit in Batman vs. Superman. We all, as comic book fans, kind of assumed that it was Jason Todd because that was the Jason Todd, uh, that was the Robin that died in the comics. He's beaten to death by Joker and then blown up. Then came back even better as the Red Hood. Um, that apparently is not the case. Uh, Zack Snyder has revealed that the Robin that died was Dick Grayson and that there was no other Robins and that he eventually, down the road, wanted to have Carrie Kelly um, be Robin, to which I'm going, oh, so again, the only comic book you've read is the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, holy crap. So, um, Zack Snyder killed Dick Grayson for reasons. Um, I'm mad, and in other words, water is wet. Yeah. This is another one of those, I killed him because I didn't know what to do with him, Jimmy Olsen. Um, and here's another, where we go back to the Snyder Cut, of he says, well, we were going to tie it in a little bit in Justice League or expound upon it a little bit in Justice League. Even that, like, phrasing there makes me think, oh, it's going to be a sentence in passing. Um, I hate everything about this. Except here's where I'm going to surprise Josh. Maybe. I only hate this 95%. <laughs> only 95. Little, there's this little 5% that I'm going... I'll give you a chance to explain because there is a way that you can get me on board with this, actually. Okay, I'm waiting. So, I hate this so, so much. And I'll expound upon that later in this negativity sandwich I'll be presenting. Uh, but the 5% of why I don't think this is a bad idea is in the comics a lot of the time, Batman is at his happiest in the early days when he's fighting alongside a young Dick Grayson and they work well together as a team. They're good, well-oiled machine and they're often on the same page. And it truly broke Batman's heart when Dick left to become Nightwing and left to go be with the Titans. And they had their big disagreement. Um, whether they ever vocalize it or not, they've always had this father son relationship like, other than Damien, because it's his own flesh and blood, and I'm saying this, as I'm sure, as a biased Nightwing fan, there is no Robin that Batman cares more about than Dick Grayson. It's the one that he had the longest. It was the one that he more or less raised as a son. So, he gets in this, like, dark path in his life once Dick leaves that only really gets fixed once Tim Drake comes. Jason Todd doesn't help anything because he's angsty and hates everyone. Um... When Tim comes along, that starts to help Bruce with the healing process, not just from Jason's death, but from 
Dick leaving. And even though they never really came to terms, they at least were able to work together again. I mean, Dick and Batman. So if there was ever a character that could die, that could actually turn Batman just cold and bitter at the world and actually into the murderous villain that he is in Batman versus Superman, I would argue, as much as it pains me to say, it probably would have to be the Dick Grayson Robin because there's no other Robin that we could probably have that Batman cares about as much. Yes, he was sad when Jason died, but it's not the same. He didn't care about Jason as much as he did Dick. He still cared about Jason as Robin, but it wasn't the same. Yeah, that's... Well, crap, now you got me 5% on board, too. Yeah, like, I hate it 95%, but if Zack Snyder explains it in that way, then, okay, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that way. I mean, kind of like... The issue I'm having is the logic that he presents for uh, the whole... the Martha scene is, in and of its whole... A very very smart very intelligent and very well thought out plot point however it's all the execution yeah it is execution is terrible which is a lot of Zack Snyder movies good on paper but the execution is lacking it's because at the end of the day like if you were when I heard why Martha is such a big thing because it humanizes Batman all of a sudden out of nowhere which is really smart it was like oh man that's amazing but that doesn't I can't give credit to Snyder for that because he didn't execute it well so even if this is the reason why the dead Robin is dick then okay cool but you better show me which like, in you've got, Justice you've League, to, he's going to show that in yeah. Justice League. You've got to show me why I should give a darn. Because at the end of the day, you're just going to be like J.K. Rowling and talking about your stuff years later after the fact and being like, oh, this is what I meant. And I was like, okay, that's cool, but that's not what you did in your media. Like, yeah. don't oh. – I'm, I'm more nervous, and this is where my 95% hatred for this will come in, is – He's already done this with Jimmy Olsen, but that was completely the case of, well, he's got to be in the movie somewhere. Let's just kill him off as a CIA agent. Like, I don't have, I would like to give Zack the benefit of the doubt. This is what he has planned for the Dick Grayson character, but I'm going, you tried that with Jimmy Olsen, but you completely disregarded him to the point that everyone completely forgets that it is Jimmy Olsen. Of it didn't have to be at all. Like the setup for you is so obvious that you can just make this Jason. Of it's yeah. It, it's again goes back to that thing of he wants to make his own, um, like Lord of the Rings s trilogy of here's where we start and here's where we end. I don't want side stories that might mix up my timeline because, um, this completely shuts down not just a Robin or a Nightwing movie. This completely shuts down the entire bat family existing um so these are these are just rumors and we can't confirm or deny but apparently this was a big point of contention for uh jeff johns who's a creative consultant for this who has been in the mm-hmm. comics business forever of he was really wanting it to be jason because he wanted this movie to be able to spin off the rest of the bat family and 
Zack Snyder was really digging his heels and going, no, I want it to be Dick Grayson. I don't want spinoff movies. I don't want this out of the other thing, which I'm just going, I get it, but the, I don't want to bring up the MCU comparison, but the reason why Marvel works is the left hand knows what the right hand is doing, and they are on the same page. This is Zack saying, I want a shared universe, yeah. but it can't affect my five movies at all. Yeah, that and that's what I think my issue here is. It's like he wants to have his cake and eat it too. He wants to make DC films, but he wants to make Christopher Nolan movies. He wants to have its own, like, own little trilogy, and he doesn't want to do references to other things. And I get that. That's fine. But you can't limit trilogy, other people from doing it. it. It's it's like he's legitimately doing the same crap that Ryan Johnson did, which is I'm going to tell the story that I want to tell. I'm going to be selfish as a director. I'm going to tell the story how what I want to tell and not even taking into consideration that I'm writing the entire franchise into a corner. Yeah, he he's really writing stuff into a corner, like he said. Um, somebody proposed it. I was just like, yes, can we just do that? Of Let Zack Snyder keep making DC movies, but... It's in its own HBO Max universe. Yeah, it's... Like, you could tell from the get-go, Zack Snyder has much rather wanted to do an Injustice-style movie than a true-to-form Justice League story. Uh, He wants his characters to fit into his Watchmen mold. And I'm like, that doesn't work for a lot of these characters. It doesn't work for making a shared universe. It doesn't... This like Man of Steel, Shazam. Man Wonder of Steel Woman. doesn't feel like it's trying to set up a larger universe, and that's where uh, I watched a really good breakdown of this. Man of Steel did not try and set up an extended universe, but during filming of Man of Steel, you know what came out? The Avengers, and everyone goes, "Oh crap!" Now everything has to be shared cinematic universe. That's why I like Man of Steel, but hate Batman versus Superman because Batman versus Superman was just going from cruise control to put the pedal to the metal in terms of we need to catch up on lost ground within one single movie. Yes, it's and it's you can't do that. It's but also you're limiting your options by going I want it this specific way. And I'm not just saying this as a uh Robin Dick Grayson fan. I'm looking at three different Nightwing figures on my desk. He's my favorite comic book character of all time. If you can somehow justify to me why Dick Grayson has to be the one to die. I will go with it, but I don't have the faith in Zack Snyder to deliver on that explanation, especially in a Justice League movie. Yes, it's going to be four hours, but I still feel like it's going to be really bloated with stuff that doesn't need to be there or things that have to retcon previous decisions like Rise of Skywalker did. I feel like this is going to retcon stuff. Like Batman vs. Superman already tried to retcon stuff from Man of Steel going, well, see, um, there wasn't that much damage or... You complained about all the damage I caused? Well, that's in the script, quote-unquote, for the first 30 minutes. Um, I don't have faith in him to tell the story of why Dick Grayson was the one that dies correctly. I feel like it'll just be a sentence in passing going, yeah, the Joker killed him, and then I never had any other Robins. Oh, here's this redhead girl. She looks qualified. Yeah. Like, it's it's a matter of he wanted to recreate the Dark Knight Returns, but he doesn't realize Dark Knight Returns is an Elseworld story. 
but he doesn't want to do any of the emotions that lead into it. it I've, I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Zack Snyder is phenomenal at recreating iconic comic book panels, but not putting in the work to tell those stories. Correct, which is upsetting. It, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and I can already tell, I mean, that, you know, Snyder people are going to, like, just praise and, you know, kneel at, at the idol that is their Snyder and be like, this This cut is so much better than Justice League. Now, the one the thing, thing I, I will say hope. is, okay, guys, we're getting the Snyder cut on HBO Max. Y'all better show up and not pirate this. Because you're the ones that have been saying for how long that you want this. I fully expect you to 100% support this and not just pirate this. Yes. If you do, you don't deserve the movie. It's just, here's the thing, dude. I At the end of the day, like, Lord of the Rings extended cuts range from two to four hours okay like i think the fellowship start uh, by the time fellowship is done with the extended cut it's give or take two and a half almost three hours um uh two towers is is just almost three and a half and then return of the king is four and i think it's like four and a half almost five i'm not sure don't quote me on that but Uh, i think it's closer to four yeah, I, I want to say it's closer to four, but I'm not 100, 100% sure. But they earn that time. They tell the stories for that time. It, there's, and even in these small, quiet moments of, of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, no matter how long the movie is, they spend time to take to tell their story, to develop their characters, so that we don't mind sitting there for four hours. Four hours and ten minutes. Yeah, experiencing these characters. And I don't have, which is weird to say that, I, I, I have more faith in Peter Jackson than Zack Snyder, especially after the Hobbit movies. That's, but That's because the Hobbits was, came afterwards. Uh, but yeah. that's the thing is, even before Justice League, Man of Steel was the first, and still to this day, only Zack Snyder movie I like. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's stuff I'm, that I'm, I'm looking I'm, forward to from the Snyder cut, but I'm more just hoping that we can get past this. Um... I want this to be explained well of why he decided to make it Dick Grayson, but I don't have the faith that that will happen. And it was just, well, I've always thought Robin in those pixie boots look stupid. So I figured there's no point in him existing in this universe. Yeah, it's just, or that Christopher Nolan logic of as much as I love Christopher Nolan, that stupid logic of, Oh, we can't have a live action version of Robin. We saw how well that worked last time. Robin wouldn't be realistic in this movie. So, He'll probably be killed in the first mission, so let's just do that. Instead of, you know, trying to figure out and put it in the effort, <gasps> effort, um, how can we make this work? So that's, ah. Uh. But, but Nathan, we can't tell a Bane story without Talia al Ghul, apparently. Whatever. I'm over that. I'm so, I don't want to get into it. Let's let's go ahead and start moving Considering on to Considering you're our over it last... for a movie that came out eight years ago. I know, right? <laughs> Let's get into our it's last not, and probably weirdest story of the week. Yeah. We've absolutely. had some weird ones. Ah, this is nowhere near our weirdest, but it's it's got to be up there. Um, First of all, I had no idea that Guillermo del Toro was doing a Pinocchio movie, but apparently Guillermo del Toro is doing a Pinocchio movie. 
Um, I'm so down for that, by the way. Can Ron Perlman play the whale? <laughs> no. He needs to play... Um... Geppetto? No, 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 no. The guy that runs the, the, the slave island. Oh! Um... Yeah! <laughs> that turns everybody into donkeys? Yeah! <laughs> Ooh! Because, yeah, he's terrifying. Exactly. That would be great. So apparently, Meanwhile, I want a, a Geppetto needs to be somebody warm and cuddly. Um. So not Danny Trejo. Correct. And he, actually, you know, I would laugh very hard if it was Danny Trejo. I mean, he killed his boots and tore the Explorer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, why not? Give it, get, let's, let's let him be it. <laughs> um, but no, we're talking about a movie that we never had didn't even know it was in production um i thought he was working on another disney movie i thought he was doing honda mansion with ryan gosling but maybe that's fallen through like a million other del toro projects dude bites off more than he could chew he's wonderful but signs up for way too much stuff that doesn't actually end up happening um apparently we have now found our jiminy cricket for this pinocchio movie and this immediately makes me go okay yep i'm i'm there because it is my homeboy hugh mcgregor playing jiminy cricket which, moment of honesty here, I genuinely had to look up how to spell Jiminy for our notes for this. <laughs> yeah. Because I spelled I it mean, Jimmy Cricket. <laughs> I I don't know how I feel about this, not because I don't love you, and because, I mean, if anybody's listening to the pod, we love, we love Mr. McGregor. However, I feel like the voice needs to be a little different. I don't know. It's going to depend on the vibe that Toro's Pinocchio gives off, which is weird. Is this Disney related, or is this just no? I think it's something. I'm going to make them. I'm going to make them fairy tales. I think it's something separate. Um, Okay. I love you, McGurk, too. But my main reservation is: I remember the last time he did a voiceover for a character. I didn't like it. It was when he was in the Beauty and the Beast movie as um, the candlestick, Lumiere. Um, thankfully, I don't think he'll be doing a French accent this time around because goodness was he bad at that. Yeah. I love you, Ewan, but your French accent needs a lot of work, bud. Mm, there's a lot that needs a lot of work. I... Mm. I mean, on the other hand, something I would totally be down for is Guillermo del Toro, sorry, uh, taking the OG Grimm's fairy tales and making those into films. Oh my goodness, yes. Like OG, OG, like when uh, if he did Little Little Mermaid and Ariel ends up bleeding out on the beach because her legs split. Or better yet, uh, Hansel and Gretel. Oh, dude. And not that crappy one that came out this year. Yes, that still came out this year. Oh, my goodness. Um, so long ago. Yes. But, yeah, no, I would... Oof. I still... Dude. It'll never happen, but my fingers are crossed for the day that Guillermo del Toro does the remake of The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, like, there's so much I would love del Toro to do because of his ability to of storytelling. If nothing else... um. We know that when that scene when they become donkeys is going to give us nightmares. Y- yes. 
and it, as it should, because it's a terrifying idea that this, I mean, you could even, and especially in today's day and age, and I, I, I'm kind of throwing this out off the cuff, but you could even prey on that idea in, that is present in the OG fairy tales that that guy that is that has made this island that is turning these children into donkeys is not only a slave trader but also basically a pedophile so it'd be it's just there's so much that should scare us about the pinocchio story it's not this toy that wants to be a real boy and he's magical and that's great and all yay but like Use this as a, as a character study, man. Use this as, especially in nowadays, use this as an opportunity to show what it means to be human. What the from the dark underbelly to the to the bright shining stars, like there we need. Pinocchio might be the story that we need to tell right now. Thinking on it more, I love you and McGregor, but I think I'd actually much rather have him be the one that owns the circus that turns all the kids into donkeys, just because. We saw him in Birds of Prey earlier this year as a phenomenal villain. And I could see him being one of those, like, a, come, come to my fun carnival and, like, charming people because he seems nice and then turns out being this sadistic, horrible villain. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be different than the um, discount Bluto from Popeye version that we got in the animated movie, more just like a evil businessman. Yes. Because, like, like, genuinely speaking, like, that man should not you, we should not be able to find anything redeemable about him he's literally luring children to his carnival to turn them into donkeys to work for him and then one gets eaten by a whale mm-hmm. yep knowing del toro so he'll swap out the whale make it a kraken which yes please i'm kind of down for that um but yeah it's or, or like really weave those uh, literature threads and make it Moby Dick. I was going to say, why haven't we gotten a Moby Dick movie in a while, but we kind of did within the heart of the sea and no one saw it. We we don't, we don't talk about that film. Did you see it? uh, uh, I wish I hadn't. So anyway, Oh, that bad. um, Yeah, but Tom Holland was in it. And so was, what's his face? Hemsworth. Um, yeah, that one. <laughs> Why did I forget that? That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, man, it's honestly, I think at this point, I'm more psyched that Del Toro is uh, potentially like remaking the OG Grimm's fairy tales than anything else. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but I'm, I'm down for his retelling of uh, Pinocchio. I'm still disappointed we didn't end up getting his Justice League Dark. I mean, yes, but opportunities man there's there's other directors um i mean it'd be fun to have james wan come back for that oh yeah exactly like you see my point he's he's too busy with aquaman and i want him to stay in the aquaman lane and i mean i heard the perfect analogy for aquaman and i was like that's it that's the description i've been looking for aquaman is the best power rangers movie ever made um no. <laughs> over-the-top action, bright colors, and questionable stunt choreography that's ridiculously over-the-top and fun? <laughs> okay. Okay, yes, but... <laughs> now for Aquaman 2, we just need Aquaman and Black Manta to both get into gigantic um, megazords and fight at the bottom of the ocean. 
And then the Pacific Rim Jaegers come in <laughs> while carrying the carcass of a kaiju from the first movie, and they're trying to put it into a portal, but the portal leads into Atlantis. Oh my gosh. Screw oh the Godzilla <laughs> Screw the Godzilla King Kong crossover uh with Pacific Rim. Now we need Pacific Rim to cross over with Atlantis and Aquaman. I mean, how uh, technically speaking, I guess they came from Aquaman, underneath. Yeah, they, he he could command the, the kaiju, which is also quite terrifying when you think about it. Right. Still voiced well, by Julie okay. Andrews. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week. Um, this episode of Uncharted Media is brought to you in part by Veggie Straws. When you want chips, but you're also quote unquote trying to be healthy. Ew! And you've lost your taste buds. <laughs> you lost them in the Crusades. <laughs> Wouldn't be the only one. Well, as we said earlier, for our main discussion. Josh and I will be ranking our top 10 favorite video games of all time from across the generation. So we'll be clarifying with each one, like what system mm -hmm. we know it from. We also try to limit it ourselves, um, one per franchise. So you can't just be like, I loved all the Mario parties. So one through eight and then the E.T. video game and Superman 64. Yeah, mm, no. Also, if you have Superman 64 on your top 10 greatest games of all time, we can't be friends. So anyway... Uh... Also, if you've played Superman 64, you either are a YouTuber or a hipster. Yeah, it's much like that time period where I... Um where I bought a Super Nintendo because I was really into JonTron. <laughs> Wow. And, and uh, Game Grumps. I'm more of a Call Me Kevin person. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I watched them a lot in college, but after I kind of left, and I think part of it was traveled with a different crowd. I, yeah, I, I was supposed to say, I know your crowd from college were Game Grumps people. Yeah, and to be fair, they were very, very funny five years ago. I, I really haven't watched them recently, so. Fair enough. Um, Josh? You want to kick us off at number 10? My number 10 is a game that I have many memories with. I couldn't tell you a lot of the songs, but Guitar Hero on tour for DS is literally one of the... The DS version? Yes, because they had the little plug that you put into it. Uh, onto, like, uh, on the oh, top I'm familiar. Little... I had a... I had yeah. one of the game... I had one of the DS versions of Guitar Hero. Uh -huh. The Guitar Hero DS is legitimately like th that was the only game my brother and I had um, for a long time, <laughs> and it would we would trade it back and forth in the car on road trips to see who who, who could get higher scores and stuff like that. But like, dude, like Guitar Hero on DS is is it was my my stuff. Like everybody else was like, yeah, I play it on Xbox or whatever. But we, you guys. You guys don't know nothing about the DS version. So I had a DS version, uh, as well as like a bunch of different versions for the Wii, because I had a Wii. I bought a Wii instead of a 360, and still to this day, I'm kicking myself for that decision. So, um, quick Guitar Hero story that's just 
I still laugh about it to this day. I grew up in a very conservative household, um, mainly when we were in the car. The only thing that was on the radio was either Way FM or K-Love, for those that know those stations. And Jeez. I still hate K-Love for their 20 songs that they play and nothing else. Um, <laughs> but my mom wasn't so much of that. She grew up in like the Boston, Queens, Chicago area, so she had good taste in music. My dad was more the one that, like, the conservative old school like gaither and stuff i have turned him around on that in more recent years but uh i remember for christmas one year i saw guitar hero and i was just like that'd be cool never thinking my dad of all people would get it he bought me guitar hero aerosmith which oh wow in the rankings not very high in the guitar hero pantheon but it, yeah it was the gateway so i got that um <laughs> play that to death in his office with him next to it all the time so still <laughs> like my oddest of really dad was the one that got this so i got that uh world tour um world tour and i think it's like greatest hits one of them um those i think were the best ones because one of them had dragon force so yes <laughs> the fire and the flame still makes my hand cramp up to this day um <laughs> Have you ever watched uh, the music video for Through the Fire and the Flames? Yes. It's weird. It is insane, the guitar ability. I just could never dream of that. But also, Um, if nothing else, Guitar Hero, like I said, growing up in a relatively conservative home, I didn't hear a lot of this classic rock growing up. So I'm like, this crazy train is pretty dope. Yeah. And now still to this day, I'm going... Crazy Train's my my go-to Guitar Hero song, so long as it's on medium because I don't have to use my pinky. <laughs> that was always my thing, was that uh, the one for DS was just the four buttons. Yes, that's why uh, it was I mean, so much better. Yeah, I mean, it was still really good, but like I, I liked only having the four buttons because it, I didn't want to use my pinky. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I wasn't double-jointed enough, or my hand wasn't fast enough, or I wasn't willing yeah. to put in extra practice required. Um, unfortunately, I do <laughs> yes. not have any DS games. I looked, I was just like, I still have all my DS games, but I'm like, nothing really cracks my upper echelon. Maybe like honorable mention to Mario 64 on the DS, Super yeah. Mario DS, or Mario 3 on 3 Hoops, but... Yeah. Um, Mario uh, Soccer was always was my jam for a while Ooh. for the GameCube. But uh, yeah, one game that I had on both the Wii and the game and the DS because there's just a couple games that I had twice. Um, but I loved both of them. Was Tony Hawk Downhill Jam? That was that was my jam back in the day before Tony Hawk just ruined good? itself. Yeah. So what's your what's your number ten? Uh, my first. Um, Game Boy Advance game on my list. I'll have another one later, but uh, at number 10, I have Yu-Gi-Oh! The Sacred Cards, because for a oh while there... Oh my goodness, yes! I was, a, I was a big old Yu-Gi-Oh! fan for a while there, and then I sold all my Yu-Gi-Oh! cards to a, uh, a friend of ours in college, uh, Genesis, for um, like 500 or 600 cards for like 30 bucks, because I, I knew I had no purpose for them anymore. Um, but yeah, back in the day, I used to have a ton of them. I admit... I've even bought my own dual disc at Kmart for her back in the day when my currency was quarters. I still feel bad about the person that had to count yeah. all that. Um, yeah. But I was a huge Yu-Gi-Oh fan. And I was just, as I was looking at this list going, what are games that I've just logged the most hours? This has to be up there just because this is the first game that I really learned what grinding was. Yeah. If you wanted those good cards, you had to play the crappy people like a hundred times. 
But also, yeah, it's... once you beat the game, you couldn't go back and like play everyone else. Once you beat the game, you had to start over. So I would like get as good as I could and then just kind of live in this awkward limbo stage where I could either face like one or two people around town or I could go on to face the final boss, which I could easily destroy, but that would end my game. Because, okay, for our younger listeners, these Yu-Gi-Oh games, you could only have one save file. <clears throat> which was the most stressful thing ever of, <gasps> do I want to delete this file and start over? Because this has about five to six years worth of work on here. Yeah, I... <laughs> that was like the OG Pokemon games, too, was you put all this work into a lot of it, and... Yeah. It's one of the few lot, games that I actually got on my phone a while back. I don't still have it. Um, I had it on my phone as an emulator. Yes! Because you don't I, care I'm about sure graphics I'm... on that, so you're just like... Yeah, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> oh, man. Good old emulators, man. Uh, I wish they didn't get shut down so quickly. Yes. Uh, what you got? Let, let, let's you start off here, man. What you got for number nine? Uh, I'm going to annoy some people because I'm sure this is a lot higher up on a lot of other people's lists. Primarily just because a lot of my games on my list, most of them, are um, single-player story-driven games because I was an only child. So I played games that I didn't depend on other people to for my enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Except yeah. for my number nine. Mario Kart 60 uh, Mario Kart Double Dash for the GameCube. Oh dude, Double Dash is my dude, that is my one of my favorite games. It was either Double Dash or 10, Super but... Smash. I'm going yes. Ooh. Um yeah. I just feel like I'm better at Mario Kart than Super Smash. Yeah. Well, specifically Double Dash, um I feel like Double Dash kind of makes everybody on an even playing field as opposed to like Mario Kart OG like 64 where it felt like if you were good at the game there was nothing anybody could do to touch you and I'm sure people will debate I still think Double Dash is the best Mario Kart ever did mm-hmm. of like the best I mean, courses I mean... Um, it just the tracks are great the different types of tracks I just mm, I love it yeah I Mm, I don't know, dude. I actually really, really enjoyed eight, but although I, mean, I did knows? like um, the DS version, had a feature that I wish would come back, which was create your own emblem. Yeah, and you could stick it on the front of your cart. I was just like, that's the best thing ever. Bring that back, please, because Mario Kart's yes. known for one and done features. Yes, they are. Like double dash. Also, double dash. Like even after I got to college, I was like, okay, I'm still decent at this. Whereas college it's supposedly like where you grow and learn as a people whatever it's really where you find out if you're good at smash brothers or not and spoiler alert you suck at smash brothers i don't care how good you say you are you suck at smash brothers dude college is where i found out how like how to actually be good at smash brothers like everyone always thinks you're good but then like wait there's there's a block button things you, there's a block button. Uh, there's there's a way to juggle people. I didn't know this. What is this? Wombo like, combo. Wombo combo. Um, but yeah, dude. Like, I mean, it's melee. Was, college was the time when I found out melee. How good? Like, I always played melee, but how good of a game it was. Yeah, there's there's few games on my list here that I'm truly would like consider myself really really good at. 
But Mario Kart <laughs> might be up there if I had to. But then again, a lot of these are single-player games. Um, my priorities were different, but that didn't stop me from playing multiplayer games. Also, GameCube had no online feature, which really, really helped for me. Yeah, it, that was always, I think, the thing I, I had enjoyed especially with GameCube was because the folk the the focus was still on land play. It was still, hey, everybody come over, we'll play GameCube after school. It wasn't I'm gonna go go home and hop on Xbox Live and go play with some some random people. Like it was still in room gameplay. Although the good old days of even though I didn't have an Xbox, I know a lot of people that would just be like, all right, I'll bring my Xbox, we'll hook them up, play together. Yeah, I mean, I remember, uh, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but I remember uh, Ben, my brother, you know Ben. Um, we mention him all the time. I know, right? Um, he, One of his birthday parties, we brought two of, like three of our friends brought their Xboxes, and we set up two, two, uh, three projector screens Oof. and played like 16, like, you know, like the max amount you can play in a LAN game. Like, all right there in the living room. It was crazy. Also, um, speaking of Xbox, if any of you wants to play me in any video game that you are guaranteed to beat me in, just pick Halo. <laughs> it is, like, the most popular game that I've played the least amount. Call of Duty, <laughs> I suck, but I know that, and you suck too. Most people on Call of Duty <laughs> suck. Um, Halo... I just never played it. I never really knew anybody who played Halo. Um, so, yeah. If you want to challenge me to something that you know for a fact you're going to win at, it'll be Halo. Because, yeah. <laughs> well, so my number nine is not Halo. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> it is uh, America, uh, Animal Crossing Wild World the two, for 2005 on the DS. How many DS games you got? Uh, this is the last one. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, because, but for a while, like, the DS was my only way to really play games outside of going over to my friend Matt's house and playing PC. Um, uh, the like PC had days. Play- yes, and I actually have a couple PC games on here, but uh, DS for a long time was my only way to really play games outside of the PS1 that I had. Um so, like, I got a PlayStation 1 when everyone was a couple years into having a PlayStation 2. That's how I was with so, the GameCube. Of I got it yeah. in, like, the last year that they made games. But, hey, I was the yeah, first kid on the block with a DS, though. Oof. Yeah, like, DS, exactly. And, like, we were the same way. The year it came out, uh, I think a few months after, my parents got one for, for Ben and I to share. Um and eventually we i think he and i saved up and bought a second one um because animal crossing <laughs> um everyone's all about animal crossing now but and i don't and i'm going to sound like such a huge hipster but oh gee animal crossing you know back in the day on the ds like you couldn't connect with your friends as well like you, you could but it was not easy <laughs> to figure out. Um, so it was one of the it's one of the games that started me on enjoying single player games more than multiplayer because 
All I needed was me in the video game. I didn't need to wait on anybody else. I didn't have to worry about certain people that were annoying to play with. You know, like it was the first time I could just sit and enjoy a game, especially something like Animal Crossing, which is like basically The Sims, but Nintendo. Which The Sims is just in its category all on its own. I don't think anybody truly loves playing Sims. It just kills time. It kills time. It's it's entertaining for the most part. It's like playing house as an adult. It's like, does anybody <laughs> actually like Roller Coaster Tycoon, or do you just do it to control people and watch them die? Look, man, I need you to be calling me out on the podcast. Um, I don't Dude, I'm the same it. way. I'm still mad that there's not a <laughs> PS4 version of roller co- any Roller Coaster Tycoon. I've looked. I want to kill people in Roller Coasters, too. <laughs> be like, okay, oh, we're not going to finish the track, and they're going to land right here, right by where the bathrooms are. <laughs> and, like, you always find out that bad one, that one bad reviewer and then drop him in the lake. Yep, I'm just like, what are you complaining about? Nothing's open. Well, the game's not letting me build roads. It's not my fault. <laughs> I remember, vividly remember, getting a, a re- like a reviewer from a from a customer, and it basically saying there's no lake here. So it was like, oh yeah, did so you I drop him in the lake? A lake right next to him and dropped him in it just to, because he said something about it. One of the um, YouTubers that watched, he was doing a roller coaster tycoon type thing. He made a petting zoo at the exit of a roller coaster. <laughs> what? So like oh, people no. would get off the, they would crash, and the survivors would be eaten by tigers or whatever. Oh my goodness, that's some that's some messed up stuff right there, man. But now you're like, what game is this, and where can I find it? Yeah, where, where can I get it? <laughs> How can I play? <laughs> what you got for number eight? Uh, my number eight is a game that I know that I talk to you about sometimes. You're not really into it, and that's okay. Um, but Apex Legends is one of the few multiplayer games I play these days. Really? Most I figured people... this would be much higher on your list, actually. Um, you'll find out why it's not here in a second, because like uh, uh... I, I personally feel like my top my like from seven on is are all really really solid games. Um. Apex Legends is started. I started playing. I was the first one in the family to play it because everybody else was still playing Fortnite and like Minecraft. Uh, but like, I convinced my brothers to try it out like once or twice, and Ben especially was like, "Yeah, actually, kind of like this a lot more than I thought I would." And I was like, "Yeah, the more you play it, huh?" And now Ben is legitimately like ten times better than I am at the game. Like play as in several levels higher than me and ranked. And like he and I never play because he's so high. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's a really really entertaining game. It, it does. It's for those who don't know what Apex Legends is. Um, it's a class based um, battle royale game that. Uh, has more lore than it deserves to. It's Fortnite uh, with char- good graphics. Good graphics. Um, good. Uh, good mechanics. Um, they're constantly improving. They. They're se- each season. They and each patch is actually like, a f- like dealt with issues that the game has had or what have you. Like it's 
it's going to be amazing. Like a lot of the stuff that they're currently doing with it is pretty awesome. Excuse me. It's pretty awesome. I played a, a little bit. Um, there's nothing for me, nothing wrong with the game. I'm just not a big battle Royale person. Like yeah. I played Fortnite more, but that's mainly because people invite me to play it. And I'm just like, sure. I'll join your party. Don't expect me to help carry you in any form. And if anything, you're going to have to carry me here going, Oh yeah. look, I grenaded myself. Um, yes, but like but I'll play that mainly because people invite me. I don't seek out Fortnite to play it. Yeah, but I mean that to me, Apex was always the, a game that I played with with people I knew, and that was part of the reason why I got so attached to it originally was because it was me and two of my brothers just going on to have fun during a, de, 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 uh, in a like a battle royale mode. Like it was just, it was just a good time, and like all the characters are really unique and really fun. So it's, it's nice. It's it's a fun little game. What about you? What you got for your number eight? Number eight is my only sports game on my list, believe it or not. Um, um, I'm going to guess. You're not gonna guess it right. I'm going to guess. Well, now I'm doubting myself. So you should uh, be. I was gonna say like I was gonna be like MLB 18 or something. Nope. Uh, it's a game for the Wii. It is baseball, but it's The Bigs, which came out in 2007 ah, for the Wii. Yes. So the reason why this is on my list, there have been technically better game made games. Like with each passing year, baseball games get better and better. Um, but this hit me at just the right time. I became a baseball fan in late 20s, uh, in 2007 because the Rockies went on like this historic run when they won 21 out of the last 22 games to reach the World Series. Uh, that was really huge for the city of Denver. It was really, really cool. That made me a baseball fan. So I was like, I got to pick up whatever baseball game is out right now because I basically overnight became a baseball fan going, okay, I need games, baseball cards, gloves, everything, friends. Um, I still have all my 700-plus baseball cards. Um, but this game, I haven't seen a lot of baseball games like it since. Uh, it doesn't go full arcade like Mario Baseball, but it doesn't go full realism like MLB 19 or 20. It's somewhere in the middle of like, for 2007, they tried to make the graphics look as realistic as possible, but at the same time, drumming the controller and the joystick and the nunchuck at the same time while you're making your way to home plate, you can run over the catcher if you win that mini game type of thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Or like you can... Um, you get a quick time event you can jump 30 feet in the air and rob someone of a home run or like you can have a showdown with a pitcher that if you hit a home run it'll go like 600 feet or something so it's like somewhere in the middle of ridiculously over the top but at the same time at least somewhat realistic in its graphics um but it was i've logged so many hours into that game and i'll still uh break it out every once in a while just it's just so much fun so many fun memories with it of yeah, there's all the baseball games and other sports games like Madden 08 or 08 or 09 where you can have like cartoon five on fives. Those are always fantastic. Um, but yeah, my favorite sports game will always be the bigs because it hit me at just the right time in my baseball love. And I'll still go back to it, even though the graphics really don't hold up. And some players are going, wait, that's who that's supposed to be. That looks like generic white guy template. <laughs> my it's not on this list because. I'm generally speaking, I've never been that into sports games, but um, I have very, very fond memories of uh, NHL hits, 
mainly Ooh. just to be the goalie and smash people through the plexiglass. Uh, also, honorable mentioned um, to any of the old WWE games for the PS4. 2020 is bad, but Josh, you know how much time we've logged into all those games. Oh, yeah. At least into, I want to say 17. No, uh, not 17, but uh, like OG, 19. OG. Like, 15, yeah. we logged a lot. Like, people crap on 15, and it's not a great game. But that, again, like, Biggs, it hits at just the right time. I remember Alex and I logged so much time into 15, he especially in my career mode. Even still to this day, when Heather and I want to play a game, the first thing that comes to our mind is, let's play uh, 2K19. I'm like, that's my girl. Because it's one of the few mm-hmm. that, like, she's pretty competitive with me on in terms of, like, I'm probably still the better player. But when we're in, like, an elimination chamber match or anything, I don't have to worry about her. She's taking care of her own business and knows how to kick out and stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I miss Heather so much. Oh, my goodness. Come down. Come down. I know. I know. I need to. We're, I'm working on timing, man. It's it's Work all about the timing. safety first. Yeah, especially if you guys keep on – if Florida keeps on being the epicenter here. I don't, I don't God, know how much Guys, just wear masks when you're out in public. It's not a <laughs> political thing. I'm just oh, – when did this become a political thing to have safety for yourself and those around you? It, uh, oh. what? Just whatever. Move on. Move on. What's your number seven, moving on, Josh? Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> My number seven is a game I'm actually not finished with yet, but I'm currently playing through again. Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> you didn't finish it the first time? I didn't. Um, I got stuck, and then be, I don't. You've never played it, but it, it, the dungeons work about how like OG like dungeon games would work. In that, once you're in the dungeon and you're locked in a boss fight, you can't like go all the way back and get stuff that you need. So you have to be like ready, ready. Um, and I got stuck on a boss and then I couldn't figure out how to beat him. And then I just, I didn't have the resources cause I was stupid. And so I left it for a while. <laughs> and so, uh, it, and it gets really sad because I, I logged like something like 12 hours in, in that game. And so it was, it was, ups- it was sad, but I was like, okay, whatever. But then some friends from work convinced me to replay it. And literally the day that I downloaded it is when they, they announced Forbidden West. So I was like, oh, oh, now I have to play all the way through. Makes sense. Oh, believe me. I've been there before uh, with several of my franchises. Um, yes. The whole dungeon thing it just makes me think men in tights of, welcome to your dungeon. If you have any needs, <laughs> just let out a scream. <laughs> Well, I'm being called. I'm so busy. <laughs> any guys, anytime I can quote Men in Tights, I will take that opportunity. Oh, absolutely. But at the end of the day, the, so for Hi- Horizon Zero Dawn, I the story all really all the way leading up to what I did see, I really, really, really enjoyed. And the game mechanics are are well done. The art for this game is incredible. I took a picture in picture photo mode um, that is currently my PS4 background because it's just a beautiful game. Not to mention, um, I I recently just for whatever reason because I'm I'm weird caught a video about how games are made, uh, specifically free roam games, and the idea that in they they did they they used in Horizon Zero Dawn, which I didn't know this, is 
literally the only part of the game that is loaded is the section of the map that you're looking at. So, like, every time you turn, it is constantly uploading and, and, and unloading content. Constantly. And that blows my mind. Huh. So, your PS4 is probably super loud when that's running. It's really not, actually, which is the weird huh. thing. Like, apparently that's how most games do it. Like, they only load what you're looking at. Interesting. Very. So, my number seven is a game that I started off hating and is probably one of the single greatest redemption stories in video game history. No joke. From where it started to where it unfortunately now is ending because they pulled support for this game not too long ago with our final update. And I'm talking about Star Wars Battlefront 2. This game has come such a long way. Um, Heather bought this for me like the digital deluxe edition so I could play it the day it launched and I played it for about a week and then dropped it because I hated it of uh, it was a grinder um like you would spend x amount of hours playing the game trying to upgrade and then it would be a crapshoot of what upgrades you would actually get like say you'd play 20 hours as a heavy well here's some power-ups for assault emperor palpatine and a sith trooper I'm like um <laughs> that's not what I wanted to upgrade, but okay. So I left it alone for probably close to a year. And then they added some more stuff. But of course, because it's me, the thing that won me back was they're like, here, we're going to have Obi-Wan in the game for free. All updates are going to be free. And I'm like, Rick and Morty meme. Dang it, man, I'm in. Um, So that got me back in and I realized, oh, this game is completely different. Like they completely reworked everything of, oh, if I play as a heavy, I get upgrades as a heavy, and I don't have to buy these upgrades. I earn them? What? What is this concept, EA? Um, but also, it's such gratifying combat of, like, there's a lot of good players, but not a lot of great players. I'm not a great player at all, but it's different play style than, like, a Call of Duty, which is everyone is team deathmatch there's objectives and i appreciate that i'm always flip-flopping between co-op which will always give you tasks to do uh as opposed to just shootouts or heroes versus villains which is just a four-on-four with your team as heroes and that's so gratifying because it's just fun quick paced action granted it's not always super balanced matchmaking but uh, it's the lightsaber combat that I've always wanted of, yes, you can strike down enemies with a stroke or two, but if you come across another hero, you kind of have to know what you're doing if the other player is competent of, like, actually get some distance, watch your stamina. Um, it's one of the few shooter games that I've actually gotten pretty decent at, and I'm normally terrible with shooters. doesn't stop me from playing them, but I've actually gotten pretty good at them. Um, it looks gorgeous. It's one of the most fully realized Star Wars games out there. And there are always going to be those complainers that are just like, oh, we didn't get this or this or this. Guys, you got two years of added support for free. We didn't need any of that. So be grateful for whatever we get. And it's almost always good content from all generations. Yeah, there's some tweaks here and there that have changed, but I love what the final result for Battlefront 2 is. Pity that wasn't what we got at launch, but... I'm sad to see that coverage is getting pulled for it, but I'm not going to be stopping playing this anytime soon. I'm always getting full lobbies with good players. Um, 
it's just the Star Wars game that I didn't know that I wanted until I got. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I still, I think Philip, one of the younger brothers, re-downloaded it because it was free this month or something like that. Yes. Um, so I might, in between sessions of Apex and Horizon Zero Dawn, because you know I have so much time these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I I might check it back out again because I you've been telling me how good it is and I know and I I I re-downloaded it a, a few months back and it, it it is a completely different game. I just I think I got busy and Apex is my but also my if you're coming from like an Apex or a Call of Duty background, it will take you time yeah. to get used to stuff like bullets yeah. will take a little time to travel or. Um, if you have hero cards, you have to rely on their specials, and each hero has a different play style that kind of takes a little bit to adjust, but I kind of appreciate that, because everyone feels unique, even if it's crappy players like Finn or Captain Phasma, who are just awful, they still play different than, like, a Princess Leia or a Han or Kylo Ren. Like, everyone feels unique, and it's rewarding to get good at a specific player because you're just like okay i know how to use this person and also yeah absolutely bosk is a beast and i love playing as bosk so much yeah no i i i don't i don't doubt you <laughs> um yeah dude is that it's, it's a good game the did best, you do your number seven since... uh number seven was uh horizon okay i was just making sure we got that we got I'm getting lost, man. One of us has to know how to count, Nathan, and it can't be me. (laughs) I miss the good old days when I held the sanity bag in this relationship. (laughs) Now we just kind of share half of the bag, and the bag's open, and it's actually empty. empty. Half in the bag. (laughs) Put the lotion in the basket. What is your number six there, (laughs) Buffalo Bill? (laughs) <laughs> we are dabbling a little bit in the old, old school PC world here. Um, world of Warcraft is a very Nerd. popular game. So, for those of you who don't know, when OG World of Warcraft came out, a side-by-side game was also released with uh, in tandem of War of Warcraft and that is Frozen Throne. Frozen Throne is an RTS that has all of the races and you just kind of do your own thing. The big thing, the big little uh, tangent there is though, uh, tagline, is that it also offered a creation mode. So you could, if you had a an online account with Warcraft, you could p- go and play all of these worlds in these game modes that people had created, including but not limited limited to an actual to quote unquote to scale version of the Battle of Helm's Deep. Um, oh. <laughs> with, yeah, do and like they the game is actually time was actually timed out to the point of if you took too long as the orcs to to attack and couldn't get break through the walls a like the riders of gondor would and rohan would be uh would be coming up behind you and destroying if you took too long okay it's that sounds pretty epic great. it it was awesome but like they also like um do you have you ever heard of uh dota 
Yes. D O T T. Yeah. Dota started on Frozen Throne. Huh. And like ideas and ideas like Le- League of Legends, like that all started in different versions of the game on Frozen Throne. Like it's 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 really really cool all the stuff you could do in Frozen Throne. I, I mean, I remember um playing St- uh, StarCraft versions of Frozen Throne. I remember stargate versions of frozen throne like down to they had they'd have all the races and you like it was it was a very very fun game especially to play with uh with my ben and my my buddy matt we would go over to my buddy matt's house because he was kind of rich and um had a computer pc for all of us to use which is you know, anyway, uh, and he would just happen to also have, uh, you know, um, what is it called? Uh, oh, geez, I can't remember what they call their online. It's like Storm, Stormnet or whatever logins, so we could all go online and play. So that was that was fun. I never, I've never actually played like World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft, but Frozen Throne. That's where it's at, man. Well, I have a perfect segue off of that, actually. So you talked yeah. about um, the cre- that sounds like a creation suite type, like a creation mode. So yes, um, what is more synonymous with creation or creative mode than Lego? Um, Ooh. I had so so many Lego games as a kid. I don't think I missed a single one since Lego Star Wars. I had them all. But I still say the most underrated, and still to this day, my favorite, a.k.a. the best, Lego Batman 2. Ooh, yeah. Like, Lego Batman 3 is fine. It's got the most uh, characters. It's got the biggest roster. Whatever. But what makes Lego Batman 2 the best of all the Lego games by far uh, is not the levels, because they're all exactly the same in Lego games, let's face it, um is it was the only Lego game that I've played so far with the best free roam ability. So uh, picture like the multiple island effect of like three separate areas of like an open world game, like a Spider-Man or an Arkham City type, but apply it to a Lego world with all your Lego characters. So even after you've beaten the main story, you can still loiter around the city for a whole bunch of stuff to do as almost any DC hero you can think of. So, um, you want to go to the top of Wayne Tower? Sure, do it. But the nice thing was, it wasn't just like a walk around on the ground type thing as Lego characters. Half the characters in the game can fly. So you add that extra element of being able to just fly around and open Gotham City years before you could do it in Arkham Knight. Um, This is before Arkham City, or I think most of the Arkham games... This open world environment. Also, it's an added bonus of whenever you played a Superman. Whenever you started to fly, they would stop whatever music they're playing and they would play the John Williams Superman theme. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, which also stopped me from playing a Superman for a while because it was fun at first, and then it gets annoying when the only thing you hear when Superman is flying is do 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 do. I'm like, I love that music, but um, can I do anything else? I've been flying for about seven minutes now um but for its time considering it was on the wii which didn't have the greatest of memory it was a pretty decent sized open world that you could explore even after you're done and i want lego to go back to that lego batman 3 had these little like hubs that you could explore but even then that wasn't a fully 
open and immersive world of, okay, I can go to this place or this place and just, I still will just fly around and just kill time there just because it's so much fun and it's flying actually really is not that bad. Yeah. I mean, the Lego games have always been really, really fun and really entertaining. And I mean, just repetitive. Yeah, they're repetitive, but at the same time, like, they're not hard games, so they're really easy to enjoy. Yeah, that being said, I'll still get the Skywalker Saga when that comes out later this year. Yeah. So, uh, my number five is the catalyst for this whole list why we've made it today. It's the first Last of Us, the good Last of Us. Um, but you didn't, I didn't, well, no, I'll stand by my word. It's the good Last of Us, because <laughs> Last of Us 2. Yeah. Um, Last of Us for me, it was the game that came with my PS4, because um, mm. as much as Josh doesn't want to hear it, I bought a PS4 for one reason and one reason only, and that's Arkham Knight. I didn't care any other game. Um, <laughs> but also the console that I had at the time was a Wii, and I was like, I kind of need an upgrade here. So I saved my money and bought a PS4, and it came with The Last of Us remastered. I was just like, eh, whatever. It's a game that comes with it. You Normally, games that come with consoles are pretty crappy. Unless it's Wii Sports. That's a masterpiece. Um, yes, it is. So I eventually got around to playing Last of Us, and I was like, okay, my standard for masterpiece is a lot higher now because... <laughs> Last of Us, by all definition, is a masterpiece of a game because it doesn't play like a game. It's a TV series that you get to play, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that's one of the things that I think made it so good was that you literally, and I know we talk about the first 15 minutes all so often, but the first 15 minutes literally lock you in. You know who showed me the first 15 minutes even long before I played it when we were in college? was Michael. Mm. Really? Who Actually, you know what? That doesn't surprise me. Who uh, Michael loves Mass Effect games. He's a big sci-fi game, but he doesn't strike me as the type to play The Last of Us because The Last of Us is very, very intense. Um, like, I'm having a hard time getting through The Last of Us 2 just because it's... You know who would be great for doing a Last of Us movie would be Zack Snyder because both of his movies and Last of Us is very depressing and bleak. Um, <laughs> yep. It's just very heavy, but it's such good, compelling, emotional storytelling that I had never seen before in a video game. So not Zack Snyder. <laughs> fair, fair. See, I wish Zack Snyder would just stick to being a DP or a camera guy because visually all of his movies are phenomenal. It's where the storytelling mm-hmm. comes in that I have issues with a lot of time. But um, getting back to Last of Us, I it's not a game that I go back to often just because it's not a, that type of game. You can't just replay it of once a month going, oh yeah, this is a fun, happy ride, like my last four on my list. But it's for a storytelling perspective, it's everything that a good single-player storytelling game should strive to be just maybe not as depressing yeah what's your number five here we go this is my first big boy game hey when halo one came out i didn't play it because i didn't have an xbox (laughs) and then one of my Matt had me sleep over one night, and he had just gotten an Xbox, and had just gotten Halo. Uh, he'd gotten the, when the 360 came out, and he got two, uh, one and two. So, 
I played Halo 1 for the first time and beat it in one night. That's unhealthy. Yeah. But then again, I mean, you and the... I know about unhealthy marathoning. Yes, it, it was very unhealthy. But at the same time, it was my first shooter. So, like, you know, it's one... <laughs> Hmm. Not good. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna take a hint, take a shot at COD players here. Um, it's one of the few, one of the few shooters out there right now that are played multiplayer and, com- and played uh, competitively that actually requires skill. Um, and the story itself was very interesting to me and it was something that I have a lot of fond memories for. I, I mean, I remember a lot, like when the, I remember the, the scene when the flood, when you first meet the flood, I remember like, there's so much, so many fond memories that I have with that game, specifically one and two, but we could only do one per per franchise. So I, I went with one. Um, but it, Halo was my first shooter, and I think you can always tell somebody's taste in video games by what their first shooter is, because people that or, played a or lot, in oh, some people's defense, it could just be the first one that they bought, and it may not be the best one. Well, I mean, because, no, 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 like I mean, yeah, all the guys that I know that are are really really into Call of Duty really only play Call of Duty. And, like, if you try to get them to play, like, a good single-player game, they're like, what is this story? Give me some good multiplayer, man. Like, the gaming world's not all about multiplayer. Shut up. Yeah, like, I'm a pretty casual gamer, so I hang my head in shame that the first, off the top of my head, at least, uh, the first shooter that I can remember buying myself, and, like, the first shooter that I actually owned was the PS4, Call of Duty Ghosts. Oof, really that one? Because at the time it was the cheapest. And I was just like, well, I need a Call of Duty in my library. There's a reason it's cheap. Yeah. And it's (laughs) But again, I play for single player and I was like, eh, it's not bad. Now I think I have that one. I've got World War Two because it was free this month. Like yeah, I, the, I like but don't love Call of Duty. It's not my thing, but yeah, it's, it's, it's I like it's it because okay. it's I like it for the same reason I like Battlefront Two. Of I can play it for an hour or I can play it for four. It's not like a uh, an Uncharted or Last of Us where, all right, well I'm playing it now. I'm gonna be emotionally invested in this and I can't play anything else for the next couple of days or I can't just casually yeah. pick this up. I have to go from beginning to end. This Call of Duty to me is like that. Of I could just kind of play this for a little bit to kill some time before i have to do something else yeah and that that's the problem i'm having right now with horizon because there's a excuse me there's a lot of really really good things really cool things happening in apex right now but i can't not i can't step away mm-hmm. from horizon i'm locked in man i've got so much to do <laughs> makes sense um so we're at number four correct what's your number four Number four, we're harkening back to OG PC days, man. I don't know if you ever played the 2003 Star Wars game Jedi Academy, but that was that was that was my game for a long time. I had a lot of PC Star Wars games, but that wasn't it, bro. I won one of them. You 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 missed out. The story was okay, but the multiplayer, boy, you either pick you know Sith. 
or or Jedi, and you could completely customize your character from head to toe to lightsaber hilt to, to lightsaber color. And they actually like legit go through basically what was what is now the extended universe as far as force uh, as far as uh, force powers, like. You know the uh, the one where it's like force crush, basically, where you just literally crush things with, with the force. Yes, you could do that. Like there was all kinds of really really fun stuff you could do, and like, I mean, think about think about a three D version of a melee map, but huge, and Jedi and Sith running and jumping around. So like, Marvel Rise of the Imperfects. No, 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 no. Which I had it for DS, so I didn't get the backlash that everyone else did. Yeah, fair enough. I like that game still for the DS. Also, <laughs> it's not on my list, but honorable mention to my very first Star Wars game. Um, it's so old that it required a joystick that you attach to the computer because it was a flight simulator game. X-Wing versus TIE Fighter! Did you ever play... Um... Knights of the Old Republic, like oh, the OG one, not not the MMO. I did not. Oh, dude. Honorable mention, man. Good stuff. And I, I, honestly, I really like the the MMO as well. That's a, that's a fun PC game. What you got for number four? Uh, my number four is one that I can't guarantee is on Josh's list, but I guaranteed he's played. I don't know about any other of my on my list, but I know for a fact that he and I have both played and finished this game because it's one of the best games for the sp- PS4, and it's getting its own spinoff, Spider-Man. Yeah, boy. So, I went into this game super, super critical because, I'll be honest, none of the trailers wowed me. And I, for the love of God, hated the suit that they used in all the trailers with the big white emblem. I hated Mm -hmm. that thing. So, as soon as I started playing, I switched that suit as soon as humanly possible because I hated it. Um, But also... As a huge Spider-Man fan, I had been burned more than once on this yeah. will be the next great Spider-Man game, and it wasn't yeah. um, Spider-Man friend or foe. Um, Shattered Dimensions wasn't too bad, but it seemed like every Spider-Man game tried to capitalize on the honorable mention uh, Spider-Man 2 movie tie-in game, which is like the best movie tie-in game ever, and felt like everything tried to copy the success of that game and didn't try and be its own thing so when spider-man yeah. came out it's just like because i'm a casual gamer it's just like i don't know who insomniac is should i care um the yeah, no. didn't really wow me it nothing particularly special about it was winning me over and then i was like oh you could do it it's so good you gotta play it. and i played it and i was just like okay yeah this is probably one of the best if not the best spider-man game ever uh with the most gratifying traversal system ever i don't care if you yes. played it for an hour or a hundred hours web slinging is still so much fun um but it's the great combat and uh gameplay but mixed with the mature and complex storytelling that we've gotten used to with more modern video games of yes fighting um fighting kingpin can be stressful you know it's even more stressful working together with your ex and seeing if you're on the same page or not and if you can work together. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm always pretty critical of Spider-Man's and Peter Parker's. This Spider-Man is close to perfect. Of like the representation of 
the Peter Parker that I know and love, it was so spot on of mm-hmm. being super, super broke and ridiculously overworked. And they make you feel that of like, you're trying everything that you can, but you still can't get everything done that you need to and the time that you need to. Um, it was just so gratifying. Of, of, almost all the villain designs are great. I still have so many questions about Vulture and what they were thinking. Um, <clears throat> but it's just such a fun game that I find myself going back to all the time. And I'm super excited uh, for the Miles Morales game because... I wasn't a huge Miles Morales fan a few years ago, but between Into the Spider-Verse and the role that he played in the Spider-Man game, I'm becoming a Miles fan, and I'm really excited for his own game. So, no, absolutely. This game quickly won me over, and I love the Spider-Man PS4 game, and I can't wait to see what it looks like on PS5. Oh, dude, it's going to... I am excited. What you got? So, because we're on number three, right? I believe so, yes. Okay. Number three is my favorite game of this particular franchise, be- mainly because of how I feel about the, the four- technically the fourth one. Uh, Arkham City is, in my opinion, one of the best Batman games ever made, period. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, no, no fighting me on that one. Yep. I mean, I know... This is about as much open world as we're pro. At least right now, it's about as much open world as we're going to be able to get. What um, I appreciate about about the Arkham City world, as opposed to the Arkham Knight, is the Arkham Knight. I love that it was big and I could explore everything. At times, this is such a weird complaint. I felt like it was too big. Like for Arkham Knight. Yeah, for Arkham Knight. Arkham City, yeah, yeah, yeah. its map size felt perfect to me. Yes, and at the at the end of the day, you could, if you played the game enough, somebody would say something about something happening in a specific section of the city, and you would know exactly where to go. That being because said, have... if you somebody did the challenge of, okay, hide somewhere in Arkham City, and I'll get an hour to try and find you, you could probably still make that an interesting bet. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's it was interesting because it on one hand the map was so big that you could play hide and seek on it and still it could still be difficult. But at the same time, it was just the right size. Not and we're not even like talking about how good the story is for that game. Yep. And the uh, non-utilization of hush. Anyway, what's your number three? <laughs> my number three is my first official video game I ever owned uh, because the Phantom Menace handheld game doesn't count. Um, my first official game for the Game Boy Advance that I got on my birthday and the first game that I ever got with it, Yoshi's Island. Yes! Which I don't think I realized when I got it that most games don't come with as many levels as Yoshi's Island does. No. Yoshi's Island and all of its iterations are fantastic. There was... I think eight to ten levels within each world, and there was eight worlds, and yes. all of them were different and unique. There were so many worlds. There, I only have one complaint about Yoshi's Island. And that is it. Baby Mario is the single most annoying character in video game history. Yes, there are times that I purposely let him die, <laughs> that I wouldn't grab him when he got snatched away by somebody else. I'm like, nope, 
I'm done for the day. You are <laughs> not talking. To, yeah, not talking. No, you, you're not even like acknowledging you. Bowser, no, you can have him. him. I don't. I don't care. Yeah. But also, it, Yoshi's Island was that first gratifying sigh of relief and victory when you defeat the final boss because I never had that before because it was my first game. But when Bowser becomes super massive and like you have to jump over certain areas so you don't fall to your death or throw eggs from a super far distance and make sure because he comes at you closer and closer and you have to like throw eggs to make sure he stays at a distance so it like stresses you out when he gets closer and closer um just that relief of beating a final boss you've spent days trying to beat it's just the best feeling in the world um i I agree yoshi's island is still to this day my favorite game boy advance game i've ever played and it always holds a special place in my heart because it was my first game also throwback memory for anybody the ogs will know having to hold your game boy advance next to your car window so you can see it passing over by the overhead street lights yeah yeah because that like little attachment light didn't really do its job very well they never did no to be fair none of the game boy advance attachments really did all that well <laughs> oh no you want to play with uh your cousin just attach them N- nope Oh, I tried that once, and we realized we were playing two completely separate games. Oh, no, there's that. Like, we were still playing Harry Potter Quidditch, but, like, he was playing somebody else than I was. I was like, oh, okay then. (laughs) Like, this is weird. My number two. All right. My number two. Final two. two. Here we go. My number two. Final two. This might surprise Josh a little bit. My number two. Uh Uncharted 4. No way. It is not my number one. I've labored and cried of, is this my number two or is it my number one? Because, spoiler alert, guys, I think I like Uncharted a little bit. Um, no way. What? But Since yeah, when? there's something that's better for me than Uncharted 4. Uh, it was also a really close race of, do I put Uncharted 4? Do I put Uncharted 2? Do I put Uncharted 1? I know for yeah, a fact it's not Uncharted 3. Um, <laughs> but... As a kid growing up, I read all the classic adventure stories. I just love treasure hunting. One of my favorite movies as a kid, and still to this day, the movie that I've seen more than any other, is Nicolas Cage's cinematic masterpiece that is National Treasure. And so, uh, leading up to Uncharted 4, I had heard from a lot of people how great this series was, mainly our friend Cody. Uh, but I didn't play video games, and I especially didn't know PlayStation games that well. Like, I had seen Nathan Drake... But he was like second or third tier PlayStation icons. There's like Crash Bandicoot, and then there's Sly Cooper, and then there's like some other PlayStation people. When I think PlayStation, that's who I think of. So I kind of knew Uncharted, but I didn't really deep dive until 4 was coming out. And so around that time, the Nathan Drake collection, the remastered version of the first three games came out. So I was just like, you know what? I'll jump in, see what they're about. I played the first one in like two or three days. I was just like, where has this game been all my life, and why has no one told this to um, me about this sooner? I'm mad no one told me about this sooner because this is this is just made for me, because it doesn't reward you for being a good shooter like me, because I suck at shooting games. Um, but also in Uncharted's defense, its hit detection is some of the worst in video game history. Of boom, headshot. Um, nope, that guy's still alive. Okay, says you missed, or. Heaven forbid, my weirdest, oddest complaint about any video game I've ever played is in all the Uncharted games, you'll have a guy in your uh, sights with a sniper. He's just standing there, standing there, 
You're like, all right, he's not moving. And as soon as you fire, he moves forward. Like the game just knew and was waiting for you. <laughs> like, I know the feeling, man. I know that feeling. You son uh. of a gun. Um, but when I got through all those, I was just like, wow, Uncharted's great. I don't see how 4 could be any better, especially uh, since Amy Hennig didn't do 4. It was The Last of Us, Neil Druckmann, and uh, Bruce Straley, who I was just like, yeah, I like Last of Us, but I don't know if that recipe really worked for Uncharted. So I come to Uncharted 4, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a masterpiece. It's the classic Uncharted with treasure hunting, but this time there's stakes and personal feelings and complex storytelling. It's really, really well done of what happens when you lie to your significant other. It's not something that immediately gets fixed overnight. Um, what? The graphics, Wait, it's still one of, the most, it's one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. The story's fantastic. The combat's excellent. The character dynamics are just phenomenal. I There's a new character that gets introduced in Uncharted 4, and I immediately was just like, I don't know if I'm going to like you because you weren't mentioned at all in the first three games, and you kind of feel like you might be shoehorned in here. Um Within the first 10, 15 minutes, I immediately loved this character. It's like, okay, yep, you're part of the family. Come in, come in. Um, it's just something about the Uncharted franchise just really connected with me as the perpetual treasure hunter and historian fan that I am. And so when I get to four, yeah. I'm just like, this is the top tier. I don't know if Uncharted will ever get better than this. And it was also, Jeez. even though I came into it super late, when we finally get to the ending mm -hmm. of Uncharted 4, it was like I watched the end of a great TV season. TV series oh, okay. with the way they wrap things up. It's just like, I want more games, but at the same time, this is such a perfect ending that I don't. So, yeah. now that I'm well, doing Last of Us 2, it makes me want to go back and go through all four of the Uncharted's again because it's just, oh, it's so good. Tom Holland, don't screw this up. Oh, interesting that that's your number two. Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, that's, I don't know what your number one is then. Huh. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Um, so my number two is Spider-Man 2018. <laughs> there it is. Okay, now I know what your number one is. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, at this point, everybody should know what my number one is. Yeah, I threw um, Josh for a loop because one of us has their icon as their favorite game. Me, <laughs> I just did it because it fits better than my actual favorite game. <laughs> Fair enough. But Spider-Man... Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> every time we talk about Spider-Man, I think of uh, John Mo John Mulaney's bit about Spider-Man and how he what what characters he would play in a Spider-Man movie. Spider-Ham, Spider-Ham. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, because he's like, have you heard the bit? Um, I don't know which one you're specifically talking about. I know a lot of John Mulaney, but I don't know anything Spider-Man off the top of my head. There's he's he's there's a bit that he talks about how. Um, the that he gets the different kinds of characters in movies he sees himself as. Now that he's older, he sees himself as like the guy in the background of Jim Jim Jameson's uh, office, who's like Spider Man. That's weird. Well, you know, like he's got eight arms, like that, like the weird guy in the background. Anyway, and he just keeps saying it like Spider Man. Small little tangent came into my head. Anyway. Okay, Spider-Man 2018 <laughs> um, has easily some of the best storytelling I've seen in the game. And if not ever, then definitely in a long, long time. Um, the way that the game ends is both 
the most heartbreaking but perfect way and only way that that game's story could end. And in some ways, I don't know why, like, why no one really saw it coming. Um, outside of the Doc Ock stuff. Um, and somehow, in this, in it, through the course of this game's story, Aunt May delivers a better line than Uncle Ben ever could. One of those last, those last few words that she says to Peter is spoiler alert. Um, it is it just it sticks it, it to me defines him more so it, it's one of the most it's the one of the best games for the ps4 in general um if you haven't played it yet a why not two come on hurry up it's so good i i've even heather's just like if i could only learn one ps4 game that she doesn't already play with me it'd be spider-man mm-hmm. i was like do you want me to teach you how to play that she's like yeah maybe it would be good, dude. I it's mean, so it's, I mean, if anything, have her. I've done this before. Um, there's videos of uh, that take all the story elements and just kind of put them together, but it's not the same. I've had her swing around game. for a while, and she really enjoys that. Yeah, I mean, and the combat is. I mean, you can set it on easy, so it's Arkham. It's really, yeah, it's Arkham, basically. So Although, I will say, it's, it's tough for me when I flip-flop between Spider-Man and Arkham because the buttons are different. It's the same mechanic, but, like, yes. the reversal button's something different. So, if yes. I switch from one to the other, I will get wrecked for about 15 minutes going, Ah! Unlearn! Unlearn! <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely get that. I, I, I love the mechanics. I think one of the funnest things about the game is collecting all of the suits to see, okay, what suits are you including? Because there's there's some really, really cool suits that they have for for the game. Oh, yeah. Which one do you use the most? Um... If I'm not... (laughs) If I'm not Scarlet Spider, (laughs) um... The one with the blue hoodie, um... I am usually future. I always get the number wrong, but future Spider-Man, the uh, twenty ninety nine, yeah, twenty ninety nine. Except I do the white version of the suit instead of the OG. Oh, blue the white suit. and the red. Mm-hmm. I like that version a little bit more. I go with um, just the suit that they give you off the bat, like not the one that's white, uh, just the regular game one, or the vintage comic book one. Ooh, that's good. That looks like Borderlands. Um, did you ever unlock the like the special one at the end? I mean, I'm sure you did. The one where it's just Peter in the mask and boxers. That's the one that I don't have primarily because I don't want it. <laughs> it's hilarious to do. But I, I do have all three funny. DLCs, and I have all the skins for that. So I have Into the Spider-Verse that I use a lot, and Spider-Man with yes. the backpack that I use a lot. Yeah, that's a good stuff, dude. The anime Spider-Man, um, I play a lot. Dude, there's so much good content for that game. Um, I mean, the my if I had a nitpick, it would be that the the Doc Ock arc is a little obvious, but at the same time, what else are you supposed to do with it? it? Yeah, I wouldn't change it at all because it's so perfect. No, if I had one complaint, it's the screwball side missions. Yeah, I would agree. But, I mean, thankfully, sometimes they're not exactly... They, they don't affect how you do the game. Do in the game. They're more just... If you want extra suits, you got to do the side missions. Yes. All right. 
I'm going to keep you in suspense. So what's your number oh, one? You're mean. I don't like you. Um, but no, yeah. So if you all haven't figured out, favorite game of all time is God of War 2018. Um, God of War 4. God of War 4. Uh, well, God of see, 4. You can't, you can't technically say it's the fourth one because technically there's eight games. Eight, maybe not eight, but yeah, a lot. There's a lot more. And than there's three. like technically six Uncharted games, but we don't talk in technicalities. We talk in reality. <laughs> we don't and, talk about the okay. Golden Abyss. So, my bi- the biggest thing is this: if you've never watched the documentary about this game, which, I have. First of all, it's, it's so good, dude. The story of them build rebuilding. Excuse me. The story of them rebuilding Kratos from the ground up um, really, like, resonated with me. Like, the idea of, I mean, to be fair, I was part of that crowd that was like, please, don't make any any more Kratos game, any God of War games. They're just, they're out of touch, blah, blah, blah. It's a different world of gaming, blah, blah, blah. And then, for some reason, all of us forgot about not wanting any more God of War games when that first teaser trailer comes out, came out, and all of us, everybody who was like, oh, oh, I'm ready now, let's go. Um, the idea of turning this character that is known for his brutality and known for his brashness and turning him into, while not getting rid of his brashness and his his brutality, turning in, in, him into an actual emotional center for a gaming a new gaming franchise, is a feat that not many franchises can can say they've done. I care more about Kratos now than I have ever cared about him, and that's including when he accidentally murdered his family in like game one. Like, that's tough stuff, but... That's how I felt about everyone in Uncharted 4. Yeah. Good storytelling adds depth. Absolutely. And, like, the fact of the matter is, and, I mean, I'm going to talk about the game because it's... Guys, it's been two years. You should have played it by now. Um, The fact of the matter is, when you get, like... I want to say it's like maybe three or four hours into the game and you're already going to the top of a mountain and you're like, there's no way that this game is four hours long. Like, especially like games these days, there's no way. And like you, it makes you believe it. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, there's like another 20 hours worth of gameplay that I'm about to delve into. It's the, and the way that they, they casually, set up sequels they don't go hey if you like this game you'll like the one that we're obviously setting up for yeah Yeah. and even as someone that's not the biggest god of war fan how much did you pop when you saw his classic weapons bro as soon as he as as soon as he like kind of like made that face when um the uh freya was like bro you gotta get a different weapon because your frozen one your frozen axe will not work in hell and you're like what other weapon could he have and he like makes this face and rubs his 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 wrist and i was like no way is this about to happen oh my gosh but they made it mean something so hard 
They made it, it. And that was yeah, it meant something. And I think the big the thing that really brought me in emotionally when you when he gets the Blades of Chaos, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, which they did a really, really good job of hiding that, by the way. Yes, they did. Um uh is when he takes off the bandages and there's actual scars from where the chains had had been before and it's just like it, it, it again like we like the story that i've been talking about with for this game is the emotional depth of it's the small things man the fact that he st- he he's trying to train kratos in a different way of life because he still carries the scars of what that life left on him it's also we haven't even talked about how visually stunning this game is. Oh my goodness. The I mean, if, since we're talking about Blades of Chaos, when you've played for 10 hours with that axe, and then so you're used to the blues and the, the whites, and then all of a sudden you have this flame that you can throw around, and it's just incredible. And that's not even talking about the... like. The moments when you're at the top of mountains, or when dragons are flying, or you know what have you, or even like when you go into the to the when you use the Bifrost and the, that the tree of looking at the tree of life, and there's so it's such a beautiful game. Fantastic! Like there's so many just screenshots of like, oh, that's a wallpaper. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And honestly, the world it's serpent. You, it's one of the few games that I. I don't necessarily really have any nitpicks for. Well, my number one, I have one slight nitpick, but I'll get into that in a little bit. And I think you would share the same. Um, But to give you some clues before I say, my number one is the only, and I mean the only game that I have bought and still own three separate copies of on three completely separate systems because I wanted to play it so badly. I have bought it on Xbox 360 so I could play it in college on somebody else's Xbox because I wanted to play it so bad. Then I bought it for PC because I wanted to play it on my own computer. And then when they finally came around to doing a remaster of it on the PS4, I bought it again. And I still have all three of those versions of Arkham City. Okay, I'm not surprised at now, yeah. That's why I was quiet when you talked about earlier. Also, (laughs) um, my quick nitpick, screw... All Riddler trophies ever invented. <laughs> you ruined a perfectly good game. <laughs> yeah, you ain't right. I hate Riddler trophies so much because I have owned those games for years and I still have not 100%ed any of them. And that's more of me just being lazy and not, you know, doing it. Well, I mean, but like. The thing about Riddler trophies is you don't really get anything out of completing it, so... No, because you don't actually have to 100% to stop Riddler. Like, there's, I think, like, 440 Riddler trophies in Arkham City. You only need, like, 400 to stop Riddler. So if you have the Catwoman DLC, which I have on all of them, um, you can just stop them that way. Arkham City is also... Another really, really, really weird, oddly specific nitpick, but it wouldn't be genuine if I, myself, didn't address this issue. In the DLC, you can play as Catwoman, um, or Robin in the Harley Quinn's Revenge subplot, or you can do, like, the Riddler missions where you fight as Batman, Catwoman, Nightwing, or Robin. 
How is it that Nightwing is the one character that doesn't get a single line of stupid dialogue? He's completely mute in the DLC. The one character that talks and is a smart aleck, you don't give him a single line of dialogue. He just chucks up his wing dings and catches them and looks at you like, Hey, I bet you want me to talk right now, or at least say hi. But no, I can't be bothered. It's not like talking is half of my whole entire gimmick. Um, also, yeah. Nightwing's Arkham City suit is a whole heck of a lot better than whatever the crap he wore in Arkham Knight was. Uh, also true. That stupid half face mask <sighs> and armor. But at least then There's... he got to talk. Um, There's so much I don't like about Arkham City. I... Arkham yeah. Knight. The Arkham Knight, yes. I still... Arkham City to me is a 10 out of 10. I'll still give Arkham Knight like an 8 out of 10. I still really don't think it's that bad, but I, I completely understand your criticisms. Arkham City, on the other hand, is as close to a perfect yeah. Batman game as we'll ever get. Um, Like I said, the map size is perfect. It's big, but you never feel overwhelmed with how much of like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get everything here um world is perfect character design on basically everyone is perfect like i love all the designs but also the betrayals everyone feels true to who they are um for the most part great boss fights like the mr freeze boss fight is one of the best ever um oh totally it certainly helps that we have the some of the best voice acting with Kevin Conroy, the best Batman ever, and the best Joker ever in Mark Hamill. Both of them are fantastic. It's just such a good layered story of, yes, we have all these villains, but they're all interwoven into this story, and they never once feel shoehorned in. Like, everything feels like it flows so perfectly. And even when you're yeah. done with the main story, I love the side missions. Yes, Hush got wasted in Arkham Knight, but the Hush side mission is my favorite favorite in all of arkham city trying to track down the killer that's been stealing people's faces that one's outstanding i love any of the well, detective side missions well and i think prime primarily the thing about the hush one is i i don't know about I, you probably caught on because you're way smarter than i am but i didn't catch on that it was a hush uh kind of prequel kind of thing until like the actual like last bit of that mission that one i caught on the one that i didn't that also i still love is the one in arkham knight with professor pig that's my favorite side mission but i did not tell that was professor pig <laughs> um just arkham city is so perfect batman and i was really hoping that it would be replicated in arkham origins that's the whole reason why i rented it from family video the day it came out and i was thoroughly disappointed and it took me admittedly way too long to beat um deathstroke but in my defense i'll still claim that there was a glitch because there's no counter above deathstroke's head whenever he would attack you so whenever i looked up tutorials of how do you beat deathstroke oh wait till he does this thing well my game copy doesn't do that for some reason um <laughs> so i was kind of screwed for a while there but arkham city also hit me like the perfect time of like my love of the Batman mythos and comics was really growing. It was right after the dark Knight. basically from then on it was comic everything. If I really want to delve into this more and Arkham Knight came out, no Arkham city came out, I believe in 2011. So like right when I was starting to get my anticipation building for dark Knight rises, everything was Batman for me. And so I played, I was just like, not only this is Batman, this is just an outstanding game and story this feels like 
a game version of the animated series, which, if anybody knows me, is still, like, the most definitive version to me. And it was just so good. It was the Batman game I never knew I needed, because I played the Batman Begins game on GameCube, which is still criminally underrated, by the way. Um, But it was everything superhero games should be. And dang it, Rocksteady, where's that Superman game? (laughs) It's coming, dude. No, it's it's coming. Reports are they're doing a Suicide Squad game, to which I'm going, oh, that's cool, I guess. Yeah, I'm not against that. I mean, it could be fun. Yeah, I'm not against it, but, um, come on. That's not what we want. Yeah. Get Batista out here. That's that's not what I want. Give me what I want. (laughs) Yeah, I, maybe. I don't know. It it could be fun. It it really could. Uh, I mean, it has, in my opinion, more potential than an Avengers game. Oh, hey, look at that. Yeah, I've yet to see a single thing that's won me over from that Avengers game, but who knows? I was hesitant about the Spider-Man game. But Arkham City, to me, is still the be-all, end-all, best superhero game I've ever played. It's just phenomenal. The side missions are great. I'm still pissed that the Azrael thing really did not pay off super well, because that was a great, like, setting up Arkham Knight was, hey, you're gonna die, and Gotham is gonna die with you. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, you're a side plot. Yeah, I, and that was always my, my my one issue with with that with that side mission, um, just because I, I love Azrael's design and have, being able to play as his version of Batman would have been really really cool too. But also, I appreciate uh, I played Arkham City more times than I can count. Just knowing just certain little touches to look for every time that I'm playing. Like when you first arrive in Arkham City and you're being herded uh, like a cow into that narrow alleyway with the fences on either side. If you look up, you can already see Azrael. Oh, wow. On the roof looking down at you. That's the first time you can actually see him. Like, as soon as the game starts. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Or when you come out of the city hall, when you take down um, Two-Face, he's there on top of the building looking at you. Huh. Yeah. uh, There's... You're hard-pressed to find an Easter egg that I don't know about Arkham City just because I yeah it's it's my favorite game for a reason it's still the best game I've ever played and I love it so much I go when I'm bored I don't go to Arkham Knight so much I go to Arkham City to just loiter around and beat up goons for an hour or so well that's that's because in Arkham Knight it's too hard to do anything without the Batmobile anyway um yeah it's a good idea on paper but they overused it well what do you guys think? What are some of your all-time favorite video games? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as, as, and as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.